What's up, listeners? Kenneth McNulty here and Just Two Not Brothers. This is episode technically two, but really our first major one going into a book. And I'm joined here with my co-host. It's Kyle Driscoll. So Kyle and I, before we want to start off, want to be very clear and transparent with you all. We read The Courtship of Princess Leia by Dave Wolverton. And uh, before we get in, there's a few content warnings or uh, trigger warnings for folks you should know about before going in. Uh, These are all things in the book. We do not reflect these views, of course, merely commentating on them because they are uh, unfortunately part of the story. Uh, So a big one is going to be they have a page that goes into eugenics and talking a lot about uh, royal lineages, divine right. You go with, I mean. A lot of weird stuff surrounding it, so we're going to be talking about that and commenting on it. So if you have issues with that, please, we'll let you know before that section starts as well. Uh, We're going into this very strange eugenics bit. Please skip if you feel necessary. And the other one is sexual assault, also a uh, prevailing feature in this book, which Dave Wolverton may not agree with, but trust me, it's there. So that's going to be pretty much throughout all of this, so please be warned. If you're not comfortable with that, you may want to skip this episode. Totally understandable. I just want to let you know. And of course, uh, there's a lot of misogyny, but this is written in the 90s, uh, and a lot of weird stuff written about princess Leia, and of course interactions with other male characters and other male and female dominated societies um get ready for that also prevailing feature in this so with that aside we are yeah, now officially know, sorry go ahead kyle i was we're gonna we're gonna definitely touch on these things in a respectful manner but we're also gonna just talk a little bit about why dave here decided that he wanted to uh put them in the book dave <laughs> But a lot of Dave had a lot of weird stuff he wanted to put Dave, in here. Dave was, I think there was a little bit of projection going on. You know, now oh. I I would not say that for sure. We are not held legally responsible for no. anything we're saying about Mr. Wolverton on this podcast. But that's not to say in diving a theoretical scenario, parts of himself are always put in yeah, a book. Perhaps, you know, clearly, and, some views are probably reminiscent or things that are put in here. So, Dave, I don't know what you believe. We're not trying to drag you here. We're just commenting on your book. <laughs> so that's all we can draw from. Does art not imitate life? I think it does. I, again, a part of like, if we're really going to get into the uh, the living force and that flows through all of us, um, especially in certain scenes later in the book we'll touch on, it, it touches all of us. And I think the dead pages that were brought out from uh, the leaves and different, but you know, trees help make this. So part of the living force is in this book. And that part of that force touched Dave and he touched it. And so coincidentally enough, the living force is also a major part of this book. Oh yeah. That's just, trust me. Um, I think I label that section as weird spirit bomb moment, but we'll get to that. <clears throat> so uh, trust me, we have a lot of interesting things to discuss today, viewers uh, and listeners. You're both to us. Uh, before I get into that, though, we need to get a few facts down about Dave to understand who this author is, where he came from, and kind of other works he's done before this and possibly after. Uh, Kyle did all the research. I'm going to be uh, going in blind-eyed to this, much like I did this book. So Kyle, the floor is yours. Tell me more about Dave. Yeah, so let's, let's go over first uh, a little bit about uh, Dave Wolverton, uh, aka Dave Farland. Oh, so this uh, is the pen name. This isn't yeah, his real well, last name. <laughs> no, no, no. Farland is the pen name which he uses only for fantasy. His real name is Dave Wolverton, which he uses exclusively for sci-fi. So before I say that, I mean Wolverton sounds. I mean that could work for both sci-fi and fantasy, but isn't this just already a good enough last name? Why do a pen name for fan? This I is don't... Wolverton already kicks enough ass. Why do I... you need to change it? I'm not sure. Uh, I guess differentiation between the genres, but don't you want the name recognition? Also, isn't there quite a bit of overlap between fantasy and sci-fi genres? This is also a space fantasy. Star Wars is a space fantasy. So why? So true. He, I guess he took a harder sci-fi angle on some elements in this, but also the force. It is just a space opera. So. so I think that this is, if anything, just Dave Wolverton coming down here effectively saying that Star Wars is sci-fi in his mind because he used Wolverton. Dave, I also am not going to say that, again, not trying to drag you, uh, comment on your work other than what we're reading now, but Dave, um, but audacious. I'm going to say it right out, Dave. I disagree with that. 
There's elements of sci-fi, but Dave, we got a fantasy in our hands. Both these can be held together. You should have done both your names. Middle name Wolverton, last one. What did you say was, what was it? Uh, uh, Farland. Yeah, it should have been Wolverine, Wolverine Farland. You heard me, Dave. <laughs> but yeah, all right, interesting. He, he laid out his opinion there in the 90s. Yeah, and so let's let's talk a little bit about uh, his role in the Star Wars universe, as well as just some of the things that he's written uh, over the years, right? Is uh, this so work in Star Wars? Y- no, actually, he has written two Star Wars books: this and the Rising Force in the Jedi Apprentice series, which was oh. uh, a series. I don't know if you ever actually heard of those, but they were uh, junior readers focused on Obi Wan and Qui Gon. No, I knew a few friends who did read them. Um, and those, I assume, came out then, what, like, 99 to, like, 2003, like that range? Probably after episode one. Yeah, so I imagine it's right there after, yeah, 99 would make sense. So this is exploring, like, Padawan Obi-Wan, like, working with Qui-Gon under well, his tutelage early on. Here's something that maybe you did know or didn't know, but apparently Obi-Wan was washing out of the Jedi. Oh, yeah. I mean, if we even explore more of that in the Clone Wars, like he almost left for Sabine later on. Like there's a lot of people, a lot of touch moments where he was disenfranchised or want, could have left for a lot of reasons. Oh, no, no. Like he was like, <laughs> he like he was going to go be a farmer because he was bad at being a Jedi. Oh, so you mean he was just not skilled and felt like he should. Yeah, just he was be. just watching out. And then Qui-Gon was like, I'll take you on, son. Well, I mean, Qui-Gon, the thing about Qui-Gon, and we'll go into this in other podcasts, I'm sure, is he was into projects. He's like, this, like, when he saw Anakin, he could see the darkness in him and knew that this kid could be trouble. But he's like, no, I have a nice approach to this. I'm going to take this kid in, clearly balance the light and the dark, as we should. We saw what happened. But he was the one who took projects out that weren't easy. <laughs> There's a reason he never like, sat as master, too. His weirs were too, uh, views right. were too weird. Like, because there was this whole thing where, like, I guess there was this program where they would send force sensitives that they thought weren't good enough to be Jedi called, like, Agricore or something. And they were just force sensitive farmers. The idea being that you can more acutely understand the life around you so you could better cultivate the crops? I guess. Interesting. <laughs> so I, that's fascinating. And they're young readers, too, about a young uh-huh. yeah, about how, he, Hey, it turns out if you're bad at life, you have to become a farmer. You'll be a I farmer. Guess. Yeah, that's a punishment. Being a farmer apparently. is tough. Yeah. Uh, being a force sensitive one easy i mean we saw in this book how easy it was to be a force sensitive with luke until later on then he had some difficulties (laughs) we'll get to that um but here's the interesting thing as well so he did those are the only two full books he wrote but he did a bunch of short stories he did short stories for all three tales of books oh did i've read his work because i have behind me the tales the bounty hunter yeah he did bounty hunter he did moss eisley and he did bounty hunter uh, that's just hold on like i i remember all this pretty distinctly and i've got an idea of which one of this and if i'm right i'm about to lose my mind uh he wrote in if it's dengar's so i'm gonna lose it bounty hunter because uh, i didn't realize Payback tale of dengar yeah i knew it because there's a weird love element in it it's really weirdly written it's about him being pinned on a rock and sad so this actually wow i dave had no idea i'd already seen your work that's what i read yeah, as you a kid. A little, just a little teaser of, of dave there i already had a tease of dave i never really looked at the authors i just read the stories because i was young and just didn't at that point didn't give the respect where it was due authors i love you keep doing what you're doing um dave i'm sorry i didn't recognize you back then bud but the second kyle said it was in there i knew it was dangar's story because i now know your writing style so um, fascinating. he then wrote in moss Eisley. he wrote uh sand tender the hammerhead's tale of course he did and uh in java's palace he wrote a free quarren in the palace tessax tale wow uh, well, we have more work we could do. If we wanted to do the full uh, expanded universe of Dave Wolverton, uh, we have three well, stories. We would also then have to invest in what I assume is long out of date 
the Star Wars Missions series. Okay. Uh, uh, I can't say familiar. Star Wars Missions was also for kids, but it was like D&D light. I don't trust him writing for kids. In the late 90s. I don't either, but that's what he did a lot of. <laughs> I mean, these were like, so this is kind of like the um, the uh, fate system that like we now know and obviously helped inspire a lot of, or really was inspired by KOTOR. But I mean, a lot of the tabletop, then this is a progenitor to it, like an actual Yeah, device. so it was a, a role-playing game. You got like a box in the mail, I'm pretty sure. And you got like team cards, two dice, six-sided and a 12-sided uh, a couple of mission things, and I guess yeah, I I haven't been able to find that much more information about it uh, beyond that. Uh, I just knew it was it was a mail order thing. I think it was through schools. That is fascinating. Which again, kind of cool. The respect that he's writing like early like dice based like tabletop adventures for kids to play in Star Wars. And I assume it was just I Clone Wars around that period where you could just be a force user and run around. Or I mean honestly knowing him, probably Rebels, because that's what kids really grew up watching more so until episode one. So yeah. interesting okay, if you're so a rebel I, agent I, as a kid. I cool. found out you would get cards in the mail okay. too. And the cards are like ability would have cards? like yeah, kind of. They'd have like characters and like vehicles and like force powers and stuff on them. And you'd have to pick a card to use and then roll the die to see how well you use the card. So this is a blend of like, I mean, this does sound like almost fourth edition where you had ability cards to activate and you had to roll to do it or abilities to activate, but a little yes. different. <laughs> That's interesting. A little so this different. is almost a mix of a card game slash tabletop. So either way, Dave, if he wrote for it, I mean, you know, he wrote uh, in total like character descriptions eight, and adventures eight of 20 of these. OK, he took, a, I mean, almost 50 percent. So Dave took definitely I think the lion's share there most likely to uh, write that. So, I mean, he is at his heart a Star Wars geek, it sounds like he's a nerd like the rest of us and was really into the universe. And definitely well, through this book, I'd like to believe that he watched the movies, but I'm, it's, I'm hard pressed. Let's let's uh, let's keep going, shall we? OK. And I meant to say, I think it was Saga instead of like a legacy or whatever I said, whatever the Star Wars thing. I'm pretty sure it's the Saga edition for tabletops. So I just Oh, yeah, that's well, that's the D21. Yeah, that's the D21. I was thinking I thought it was like that. I was wrong. So sorry, viewers, listeners to correction. Anyway, mostly listeners, because there's mostly no listeners. I keep saying viewers. Yeah, I keep showing Kyle the book and I'm we're on video. So if you hear things slamming, it's because I'm slamming the book down. My apologies. And that's going to happen a lot once we actually start talking about the book, because there's a lot to slam. Yeah, the please book. forgive us. Yeah, if you start to hear, look, we're going to do the percussive stuff around us the best we can. But um, our mics are very powerful. Please be ready. I'll do what I can of editing. <laughs> so he, Dave Wolverton, in addition, outside of Star Wars, is also yeah. an award winning author. Is he? He has allegedly won uh, the Hugo Award. Really? For like sci-fi? Uh, yes. So what what book? Let me get the I know it says here, like in the back, we have a few books listed. I'm interested to see if it's one of these. I assume he would want to promote one of his better books in the back of a courtship because we have, what, three, four back here? None of them Star Wars. Oh, it's also, yeah, the Rune Lords. There's one of his actual. Yeah, the Rune Lords is his big sort of. Yeah, that's what it says. Odyssey that he has. Uh. That's his Lord so of the Rings. Kind of looks like. Uh, I actually Wars look guy. At him. What? Who? I know he kind of looks like the Infowars guy. Oh, wait, I, like, hold on. You say he looks kind of like. Oh my gosh! Now I can't think of his name right now. I, I know who you mean. For some reason, I just can't. Uh, uh, Jones. Yeah. Um. 
I for some reason it's dude. I know who you mean, but he kind of looks like him, like a uh, your boy. Let me look him up. Let me look up Dave. Alex. Alex Jones. There we go. Thank you. I cannot think of I blocked Sorry, the name out. Dave, Mr. Wolverton, I apologize again if we're slandering you by comparing you to uh, an absolutely horrible yeah. person. Alex Jones sucks. Yeah, trust me, but I definitely I can see I mean yeah, I can see the look right now. He definitely I mean looking at his author image, he has a very tender look in his eyes. Uh one that he definitely, you know, seen Star Wars is like, yeah. Uh, also, and I apologize, it wasn't the Hugo I was thinking of. It was the Philip K. Dick Award. Ah, uh, okay. For best novel in the English language. Wow. Uh, so wait, which one was it again? Philip K. Dick. Oh, no, uh, his. For, for his uh, his thing, On My Way to Paradise. On My Way to I think that was one of the ones listed back here. That it was. Yep, first one he lists. Um, he was also very prevalent in the L. Ron Hubbard Writers of the Future contest. I think he was actually running it for a couple of years until he handed it off. Interesting. Okay. So uh, here's also just another weird one, and this was uh, according to his uh, Wikipedia page, but there's no source for this. He is supposedly responsible for the concept of lurkers in StarCraft Brood War. He just got a pitch. Like, guys, I got an idea for a little. I got an idea for a little enemy here. Just let me slide that for you. Yeah. You slide that your way and I got like they're just like cool yeah we'll do it thanks dave uh, <laughs> so i mean he's what we're saying is he's pretty prolific in these communities people know at least in the 90s especially in 80s knew dave he was a winner of awards wrote a lot of books that people at least had read or attached to and this rune lord series apparently pretty big however the more important thing is and this is where this is the kicker this is where it all kind of comes back together okay right? his real claim to fame is other authors saying that they that he mentored them interesting he has according to his website claimed to have instructed brandon mull of Fablehaven fame uh brandon sanderson the guy that did wheel of time yeah wait what yep uh, like he, oh it's before not for wheel of time uh like he mentored him into i, I actually have a quote during from, this pivotal uh, okay anderson about series... uh, dave my sister started reading it. Obviously, if you're talking about fantasy, one of the most like if you say it, heads pop up like I've heard of that or they well. Yeah, well, it. I actually haven't read any of it, but I do listen to a, a lot of Blind Guardians. So it's basically the same thing. Yeah, I haven't either. But again, if we're talking about some of the biggest touch points in like fantasy, especially the, you know, our century, yeah, but I know it's a big 20, deal. Yeah, it's yeah. huge. So anyways. OK, what's this quote? Uh, date. Well, there's two more. OK, James oh. Dashner, the guy that did Maze Runner. <laughs> well, interesting. OK, and finally. Stephanie Mayer. No, I know I refuse to believe. Author that. of Twilight. She has a quote, right? I need a quote from her to believe this. Uh, well, here's I only have quotes from Dashner. What did he instruct her in? Love? Because I'd actually might believe I, that. I actually might believe that. I don't know. I, I could be. I mean, the the romance in Twilight is about as good I'm as sorry, romances. But just in this imagine book. they read Courtship Princess Leia, and she's like, I need to talk to this guy. Like, this guy gets how romance should work. And I need to talk to this Dane fellow to see how people could fall in love with a vampire. Um, Different than witches, of course. Uh, so, the man that wrote Wheel of Time had this to say about David Wolverton. I would love to hear it. Quote, I still use the writing techniques he discussed and constantly reference him and his instruction when I teach creative writing myself. Okay. Uh, ellipses. His explanations led me directly to getting an agent and subsequently my first book deal. I will say... To Dave's credit, um, he is taking, if we're going to go all the way back, 
uh, he is somebody who's very open to apprenticeship. So he's somebody looking for those Padawans to raise them up to make, turn them into knights. He is like that Qui-Gon who's like, you know what? No matter how difficult it may be, I will show these people. And I respect that about Dave. Being an instructor, that's actually tough to do and great to have a mentor. I just didn't expect this list. Because again, Wheel of Time, I have heard of and I have not heard of his Rune Lords. Like It's even more prolific in my mind. And Stephanie Meyer... He's almost kind of the power behind what? the throne, it sounds like. Here. Yeah, I was going to say, very much so like he's the one making sure he's the kingmaker. Because apparently he got his deal signed after working with Dave. Like people, again, in this period, now, knew Dave. I could definitely see that. Because from everything I've read in my research on Dave Wolverton, it sounds as though he is very embedded in the sci-fi at least he yeah. was in the late, late 90s and early 2000s he's very embedded or was embedded in the sci-fi and fantasy genre uh, when it comes to literature um dames dashner had this to say quote he understands storytelling and writing on a freaky level all of us feel like we owe a huge debt to him then then what happened <laughs> that's what i have to wonder was this just a fluke well i well, get I knew it was the Dengar story, too, too, so there's a theme. Here's my final quote for you. Okay. And I'm not going to tell you who said this one. I'm going to see if you can guess. It is a well-known uh, sci-fi author. Okay, and this is somebody who is not Apprentice. This is him, someone who is not, not uh, uh, yeah, not an Apprentice. Okay, okay. Um, somebody I, I would know, I assume? Oh, yeah. Okay. Quote, when I reached the end of his first volume and saw Grace arise from a devastating battlefield where too many great hearts lay dead, Farland, using the pseudonym, had earned the tears that came to my eyes. It was not sentiment, but epiphany, end quote. You said sci-fi writer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because it immediately doesn't say like Ari Salvador or somebody, but no, that's that's fantasy. Uh, author, not like movie maker? Yep, author. Though one of his, uh, it is, is, is a male, uh, and one of his properties was actually made into a movie. I gotta, th okay, hold on. Like, give me a second here. I might fall short, but I'm trying to think of like somebody who writing around this time. I assume the quote came out around the 90s. Uh, so thinking about somebody prolific, somebody I would know, somebody does sci-fi, cool book series. Like, you know, I know a lot of fantasy authors. I'm realizing now I know a lot of like the high age. Like I'm talking like, I, I mean, unless like we actually go all the way back and say, hey, did uh, Arthur C. Clarke say something about him? Um, I, I actually, I, I probably recognize the name. Uh, I don't know if I could call it out right now. L. Ron Hubbard. Uh, Wait. Uh-oh. Is that what he... Elrond said that? No, it wasn't Elrond. Okay, because I know he works he with the He is affiliated with Elrond Hubbard's, at least. I don't know if he's affiliated with Scientology, but he is affiliated with the, like, writing competition. Yeah, that's what you mentioned beforehand, so. Yeah, I, um, I couldn't say, but uh, that'd be wild quote, if it was Elrond. But. This quote is from Orson Scott Card. That name sounds very familiar. Uh, Ender's Game. Oh, yeah. Sorry, again, we came to authors like I, I can be very bad. So please forgive me. Um, I look like a fool now. I've, I've probably lost a bit of my sci fi cred. Of course, I know Ender's Game. I just the author. Oopsie poopsie. <laughs> just, just didn't have my head. But he said that about him. Really? Uh, yeah. Again, I guess not no sources for these quotes. Dave just has him on his website. I like think he's like, hey, Dave would have just made them up. I'm going to tell you something to trust, Dave. And I, I just want to hear to tell you how great this is. He's like, this is recorded. And like, put it on his website. And he's like, there's, you know, I got my right here. Ender's game. Now it's my game. I'm also not Nicholas Cage. This is, this is Dave, Dave Wolverton. Yeah. So I apologize listeners. If you hear any background noise, uh, I do have my door open, uh, but hopefully it's not too bad. Um, so finally, yeah. a couple final things on our, on our little info dump here. Um, Chronologically, in the Star Wars universe, this takes place literally minutes after the end of the seventh X-Wing book, 
uh, just called Solo Command, I guess, because Han Solo is yep. in Isn't that Command. Fun? Isn't that kind of fun? Yeah, it's, you know, it's just, it's just is that kooky? Yeah, because yeah, we start uh, the book with him literally arriving back in Coruscant. So it's true. And then immediately that follows this is Tatooine Ghost written years after this book was written, um, where Han and Leia go to Tatooine before they have kids and basically are like, should we have children? And it's just an episode one tie in. So, uh, so that's an obviously, as you know, too, for people looking for the exact timeline, this is three years after six. And this is after, obviously, the Treaty of Bakro, which we talked about. Uh, and this obviously proceeds, as we mentioned, like this is like right before Thrawn, really, by about two years. So this is like right in the middle of a lot of the juiciest stuff you see in like the early canon after episode six. Old canon, excuse me. Legends. So uh, timeline wise, not that far off, which is why a lot of our characters, they have the idea of keeping them like they were in six. Don't think that really is what happened, but um, that's the plan. <laughs> so, and as a reference point here too, just in in reality to sort of ground ourselves, this came out in April of 1994. Mm-hmm. Things that also happened in the Star Wars universe that year, uh, the entire Jedi Academy trilogy came out. So, like, uh, oh, you know, Luke's building up the Academy. It's the Kip Durin. Uh, yes, with the and this Crusher. is obviously after this takes place. Yes. So timeline wise, because this alludes to said Academy, but um. Trusip Bakura came out in 94. And Crystal Star came out in 94. Which, as you know, Crystal Star is coming after this. So oh, I didn't know those the same year. Wow, two uh-huh. bangers yeah. a year. <laughs> right? 94. 94 was, I was two year. years old. Little did I know how it changed my life. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, on a sad note, Peter Cushing also passed away that year. So Yeah, speaking of legends, I was going to say, like, honestly, none of this could have happened without him. And of course, one of the greatest villains of all time. So thank you, Peter Cushing, for the amazing work you've always the done. Van Helsing of my heart. He really is. <laughs> so I was going to say, and uh, speaking of, for those of you who know, obviously, your movie timelines, this is only 11 years after episode six rounded out, too. So just over a decade, this came out. So the expanded universe, as we talked about last time, really started exploding in the 90s. Like the 80s obviously had some work there, but Luke's had a pretty big embargo on anything five years after episode six. I think almost out to 15. So do not touch this till we discuss what the plan is. I want to make sure this aligns with the visions we have. And in the 90s, they open that up for the books like this to come out. And boy, did I not realize how quickly they came out together. Yeah, right. So, just like. Man, bam, bam, back bam. to back to back. Dude, the fact that all of the Jedi Academy trilogy came I out in realize, one year yeah, is weird. Happened then, too. Because, again, I made jokes about the Sun Crusher and a lot of fun things with Kip and his brother there on uh, on Kadia. But you have to think about Carida, excuse me. Um, I 40K stuff, ignore that. But Carida is like, I had no idea that came out over now almost 30 years ago. <laughs> so that is wild. I thought that was more contemporary. Yeah. And so keep in mind, you know, actually that to spin another yarn here about perspective. So Dave was writing this book while the Jedi Academy trilogy was coming out. And yeah. in the Jedi Academy trilogy, Han and Leia have, have the twins. They have Jaina yeah. and Jaken, or Jaken, or however you want to say it. I was um, a Jason. I didn't realize Jason. Jason. You, you know who it is, guys. Yeah, Darth Cadus, yeah. we got a guy up there. So, um, but either way, so interesting, yeah, so though. Picture that, right? Because they had to have talked, right? Because the amount of stuff he listed or alludes to, this ties directly into the Academy series. So um, they, unless it's, it couldn't be have done, or I wouldn't believe it'd be done separately at the same time, uh, coming up with very similar results. I imagine they have to talk because Lucas did have teams that worked to make sure this canon would fit. So I imagine they'd either have counselors or again, maybe the Living Force spoke to both of them because I, that'd be pretty incredible if they didn't talk now, and a lot of this lined up. The fact that Han and Leia end up even having children after we knew- this book is... 
absolutely this, horrifying. I, that's what I'm saying. I would not believe that. Uh, but the thing is, what, what us as movie viewers knew they were together at six and knew they would, we assumed they'd have children. So that is not a leap of the imagination. Their love, as adequately shown through five and six, which we don't need to go through, like listeners, we're assuming you've watched the films. If not, you know, one of the most famous couples in like, you know, movie history. Like it made sense. It actually worked out in the films in a very beautiful way. So that's how you know. Kids make sense. Now, on the flip side, which is a great transition to what this book's about, you would be hard-pressed to believe the fact that Leia didn't space Han in the first few mm-hmm. chapters. Honestly, the first, book, like, five chapters? The fact that when Chewie said, should I maul him almost to death, and everyone agreed, I'm like, oh, we're going to watch Chewie kick his ass? Because I'm in for that. Like, that is, Chewie's right. Life dead or not, this is wrong. Chewie, everyone else saw this as, I'm alluding to things people don't know about yet. So, All right. without further ado... I'm going to tell you what the back of the book says, and then Kenny is going to read you a selected quote from the book that I think honestly sums up the it's, book a lot better. Yes. Um, I, I'll, I'll, uh, my section here, so Kyle's going to read what the publisher had in mind, and I kid you not, um, this is definitely what Dave at least felt in Han's perspective, what the story's about. Page 221, if you have your books, open up, and I'll let you all, you can follow along when I read it, but there's a paragraph where Han's lamenting about the past few days, and uh, I think you'll really like it, listeners. All right, so... Quote, though dark, dark Vader, though dark Vader, (laughs) though Darth Vader and the emperor are dead. The emperor, the empire lives on and a weakened alliance must find powerful new help if it is to survive. Also, by the way, they misspelled powerful on the back of my book. It was like, yeah, no, mine's with a W. It's P-O-W-E-R-F-W-U-L. It's powerful. Powerful. So it means every maybe it's the new legends copies. Maybe let, no, I have to feel like this is something that's been on here since the 90s, right? Right, I hope so. Um, um, just uncorrected. The answer could lie in the Hapes Consortium, a cluster of 63 high-tech worlds. There is only one catch. Princess Leia must marry the Queen Mother's son, the dashing and wealthy <laughs> Prince... Solder? A soldier is how I say it. Uh, with Star Wars names, there's many pronunciations. We'll do a soldier for this podcast. Please correct us if you wish in the uh, if you comment or let us know after the fact. Uh, we'd love to hear it. Uh, Han Solo reacts badly to the news. The biggest understatement I've ever heard in my life. He gets a little bummed. Yeah. Just a little bit. He takes Uh, it well. Tricking Leia. Also not true. He flees with her. Tricking. The the publisher took a lot of liberties. They really did. They were like, we can't let people actually know what this book is about if they're ever going to read it. No, no. (laughs) He flees with her to the beautiful but untamed planet of Dathomir, where he hopes to change her mind and win her heart. Meanwhile, Luke Skywalker and R2 form an unlikely partnership with the Jilted Prince to track the wet down the runaways. But their mission is only the beginning of an adventure that will lead to the discovery of an awesome treasure, a group of force-trained witches, and a showdown with an invincible foe. This invincible foe we'll get into. Um, but see, those that was the beautiful words of the, I would say, the publisher really taking liberties to make sure they could sell a book about abduction, sexual assault, and things that are so much worse to say, we need to sell this in a way that people who like Star Wars think they know what's going to happen. On a very, just almost like a scrawl, a text scrawl. It's very simple, nothing crazy. Let me tell you what Han thought. So uh, this is what you get, 221. So the book's 375 pages. We're deep in the book. And finally get Han's perspective. Uh, And I wrote in my little note in Han's words, this is what happened so far in the book. I put a lot of notes in this book for like, you know, not written in it directly as cool as I would have been. I've got little like sticky notes stuff I used. And um, let me just read you (laughs) this paragraph uh, from what he said. Uh, Proceeding this. Uh, So they're flying uh, at this point there. I think this is when they're walking around. 
enter the cockpit. They are. That's right. I think they're working in the Falcon. They're finally working yeah, on trying to the see Falcon what's wrong with the Falcon. Uh, they yeah. crashed it. They need to try to fix it to get off world um, for reasons we'll get into. And Luke's like, hey, buddy, are you good? Because this is the first time Luke's really seen Han the entire book. Like, he finally gets to him after seeing that he had heard, and this is putting it lightly until we get into it, abducted his sister, fled to, or fled to a planet that Zinj, if you don't know about Zinj, uh, when the Remnant first formed after, you know, episode six, uh, like, ended, this like the, uh, pretty much all the Remnant for the Empire formed together, and Zinj is one of the first warlords to lead them uh, in his space. And Zinj is, like, in the past few uh, X-Wing novels and a bit of foe for Han. That's the last book about Han, but the Solo Command was about. Powerful warlord we'll get into, um, and this is his space, his almost as fiefdom uh so really everything about this sucks and luke's like why would you take her here why did you abduct her and who this prince i've been talking to he's got some weird perspectives too like what's happening like are you okay han says <clears throat> quote han spun in this captain's chair looked up smiled a controlled smile as if he would scream if he did not smile just take that sentence in <laughs> well <clears throat> well see it happen this way i want to play another card game and i really wanted to see it badly Meanwhile, the woman I love was planning to run off with another man, so I convinced her to take a short trip. Convinced her to take a short trip with me. Only when I got here, I found the skies full of warships and shot me down because no one bothered to worry that the planet was interdicted. And after we crashed, a bunch of witches decided to start a war over who gets the wreckage of my ship. So I'll tell you, Luke, I've had a really bad week so far. And now to top it all off, I suppose you're going to lecture me or arrest me or beat me up. So tell me, how's your week going? The very consolidated version of Hans taking the story. Up to that point. And, and, you know, and Han is is definitely an unreliable narrator. There's some revisionist history going on in Han's statement about what that was. Easily. Easily done. And he believes it. That's the, the sickening part is he fully believes what he says there. <laughs> that he convinced the princess uh, in some ways. Which Leia begins to put in that in narrative too so Solder won't kill him. <laughs> which Solder planned on doing originally. But again, we're getting ahead. Uh, so the way we're going to run through this now is um, before we kind of dive into the book itself, we're going to do a kind of like broader strokes, kind of a grand look, uh, if you will, a galactic view of um, my first time reading it. I uh, will kind of go to my perspectives in a second about just overall themes, how I felt, and I'm even going to go as far as to give it a rating out of 10 that I immediately feel, and at the end, after we talk about it, maybe that'll change. But I definitely have an idea of how I feel about it. And then Kyle um, has already read this, so this is his second time coming back. I assume it's been years. I'd love to hear if that's changed or being older, better understanding or maybe even different understanding of kind of the theming here. So um, starting off, I'll kind of give you my fresh take that I want to hear what Kyle has to say about everything there. But um, my relationship with this book beforehand was uh, knowing about the story, even when I was younger, when it had come out like early 2000s after I'd watched one, two and three, I want, I just, when I really started sinking my teeth into a new canon as we uh, are at that point, EU, um, the expanded universe, uh, which we talked about last episode. And um, I heard about this really bizarre story. And again, this is how it was pitched to me and how I've always told people about it because I never read it. Just about a story where Han gets jealous of some very handsome prince from Hape in space. We know that Hapes, I just knew, is just like a pretty much biomechanic super like pretty much super like a kingdom that was so powerful it actually was able to fend off the empire for a while eventually i consolidate and uh was able to work alongside them and survive and had these very uh this handsome prince who wanted to get leia and um how i originally thought it was is that um they were threatening the republic i had misunderstood that they were there to assist because uh zinge and other people were threatening their space and said hey if you marry me we'll form a strong alliance everything's tight and as i was told back then or read han was like solo here and came in just abducted her and left and i knew he abducted her that much i did know and then ran off to dathomir which is 
is the first time Dathomir is mentioned, uh, where the Night Sisters are, as what you heard about. So people who've read or seen Clone Wars and seen a lot of the canon after, or even played Empire at War, are very familiar with them. Uh, a lot of the Night Sisters, um, different than the witches of Dathomir, uh, you know, ride rancors, um, have amazing force abilities, and use more of what we know as Sith sorcery and Sith alchemy, scrying on people and able to use words of power to help control beasts, uh, gnarl the land, drain people's life forces, what have you. So I was like, oh, cool. People use like Force Storm, Dark Magic. Like, that's cool. And then I knew in the end that something happened and Han escaped uh, and Leia and him fell in love. That was all I knew about it. Just he abducted her and somehow worked out and he sold her, came after them. I didn't even know Luke was a big part of this book when I was younger. I had no idea. I just knew yeah, Han and actually, I completely forgot Luke was even in this book. And Luke overshadows most of the end half of the book. It's his story. Everyone drops yeah. as like almost an ensemble cast till the end. Uh, um, the courtship of Princess Leia turns into Luke's strange force weed adventure. Literally saying, this man has no force potential. He sold her. He's going to be for his apprentice. If I can teach him, I can teach anybody. And the soldier's like, sir, I just want to find Leia. He's like, my new apprentice. <laughs> but that's Follow the light side or else. And he's like, well, I don't even know what that means. He's like, uh, remember when I took you down from your ship and it crashed and you lived? Light side. He's like, what are you saying to me? You're a weird wizard from space. You know, he's like, this light is, side. don't speak back to your teacher. He's like, wait, didn't, yeah, did, uh, bow to your sensei. This is your sensei. <laughs> so that, that was bizarre. Um, but reading this book, overarching overarching themes and stuff we talked about there's a lot of troubling stuff in this book uh we're literally uh han and we'll talk more about it um uses what's called a gun of command uh which in haven space the haves build this thing that literally mind controls you imagine jedi mind trick but it's far more sinister like if you're using dark force powers literally corrupting someone's mind to become your apprentice or forcing them to your will uh han does that to leia because he disagrees that she finds he's solder uh, a man who comes out and says and not as i thought originally saying like hey in order to keep this is more of a diplomatic marriage to keep us uh, tied together through uh, she reached out to hapes to help take on zinge but after they kind of got han back and kind of beat back zinge a bit they still needed help against him he had like what 60 something or 100 worlds he has a lot on like hundreds. over 100 rules yeah worlds under his control so zinge is still powerful and she was thinking merely diplomatically we need the much as much help as possible uh the queen mother there was like we'll marry my son we'll make a political alliance uh you'll be the next in line it'll be great and, and she's like ah and then alderaan everyone there from the uh, remnant pretty much this survive from Alderaan's like no no hear me out you should marry this man because thinking about what it'll do for Alderaan we know how long I have a home maybe we can find one there in Hapen space or at least get the money to do find a new home and think of the power you'll hold Princess Leia we'll decide for you and she struggles with this decision as Han's like well don't you love me I just came back from all this fighting with Zinj and after episode six clearly everything we'd ever established as characters just disintegrated and now we're just a bunch of bumbling <laughs> school kids trying to like, excuse loving each other and she's like Han I just don't know if I like you as much anymore and Han's like what did I do to deserve this and he's just really upset and then uh, uh decides why you, can't I quit you? I, we're not going to do specific stuff. Sweet to go over, just abducting her. Straight ass, using a, like, a gun to convince, literally, and sorcel her to say, you're coming with me and forcing her onto his ship. Uh, and she objects to this, and he says no to her. He assaults her and takes him, mentally controls her to come to a ship and locks her in a storage container in the Falcon, uh, then flies off. So, unfortunately, while we're going to go more into that later, I would just say, like, it has to be mentioned for my overall opinion that that's how the book starts. That's very early on. Then eventually they go to Dathomir and have that some is. wacky, fun adventures, whatever. Uh, some weird stuff that's also strange. But I would say, in terms of the assault in the beginning of Princess Leia, I would say more so than the courtship, um, the weird interlocking, like, Dave's got some interesting commentary on matriarchies and a lot of, like, society and, like, a lot Boy, of... does he? Boy, does he? And a lot of, like, misogynistic views on a lot of weird things. Um, it's just, there's a lot of underlying and very i'd say over and undertones he wanted more than being over undertones but more of the, the matriarchal conversations the assault and then um even later on like talking about uh different elements of how 
I'm trying to think of the other thing I was going for is those two major elements. And of course, really just the Star Wars universe trying to bring in proper keywords and things we know could link back like Zinj talking about the Force, uh, bringing the Jedi Academy and everything else. He wanted these all to weave together to make it very, he wanted to make a nuanced narrative that was not supposed to be more gray area than light and dark, but Luke was supposed to be that moral compass to keep people on the light. And he wanted to make it kind of like a, you got to really think about it, right? Like it's more cerebral. You don't want this to be straightforward, like good versus evil. There's more to it. And uh, I, I just don't know if he accomplished that or maybe he wanted to be good and evil. And I, see more complications here because what he threw in the mess yeah so I think see it, i don't think he wanted it to be gray area i think he it's he's he like there's it. just two things black and white like and that's what i can see that's what because that's the star wars at its core especially with the yeah and movies. i like that's that. what i mean that's and that's, that's fine. what i that's what i like about star but wars because of what happened really... in this book there's so much gray area because of what he creates and what he posits. Uh, so that's why I just think there's so much weird, like good and bad on both sides, evil on both sides that it's like, did he intend for this? I don't think so, but that's what we got. So with this being a jumbled garbled mess with all that really weird stuff in it, I mean, I would honestly say like in my opinion, we talked about like good and bad novels. I see why this is not one of the better novels. I did not enjoy my read for most of it. There's a few elements I really thought were cool. Um, and there's a few things I actually appreciate what he brought out. Like that's why I was talking to some people about it. There are elements of old canon that he really helped breathe the life with this book, which is great because this is one of the first books to really do it. Um, but the actual story itself surrounding it was so mired with all this hogwash. It was just bad. So uh, it was not a good book, but it brought out cool stuff that I appreciate. Um, and I'll, we'll go into those specifically now because this is again, broad strokes. But overall, I mean, if I had to give it something like, I give it a four out of 10. Four because I appreciate Ooh, what it's generous. That, it's generous I because think. it brought a lot of cool stuff that I enjoyed from old canon, but that's concepts it brought. Everything surrounding it, I would give the story itself like a two out of 10, concepts like a four out of 10 because at least you tried to bring in stuff that I thought was neat. Um, so maybe that equals that to like a 3.5. Uh, it's bad, guys. So sorry, I talked for a long time. Let's go to a man who's already read it once and give me your uh, second opinion going through it again. Yeah, so... Um... My my take on it, having read this now as an adult, and had probably read it either as a kid or a teenager, I maybe early teens, I want to say, and or or maybe younger. I'm I can't exactly remember when, but I remember just not liking it. I remember definitely like skipping parts, um, like you. like that entire section when they first arrive at the witch's camp. I just remember as a kid being like, yeah, I don't want to read this. So I just skipped through it. But you didn't like when Han had to catch the, uh, what the, what's the worm called again? Uh, <laughs> the word, I can't uh, remember what it's called. Worf? Worf? Worf worm? Yeah, it raised a wrench, a like 90 foot long worm. Out yeah, of he's just doing it for like three hours. <laughs> it doesn't pass out, but they're like, he gets really tired. And Neil's like, well, yeah, <laughs> that's I part too, of his book. If I were wrestling a, a 30 foot mud worm that they use, yeah. by the way, to for ropes. make reins for the rancors. Yeah, I mean, it's a powerful, like he pretty much said, it's one of those powerful ropes of the galaxy or binding agents, if you will. Um, and they have it here and it's just a, a worm they dry out and use. Um, but yeah, I remember, and I skipped the entire like detention center, like. Oh, the heist, if you will. I mean, the episode four section. Death Star heist. As a kid. Um, and here's, you know, here's the other thing. I was actually, I was thinking, I was really thinking back to when I first read this. I was, it was a library book. I remember getting it from the library. And I had this very specific memory now that, that has resurfaced in my mind. Um, I was at a burger place uh, with uh, my dad. And, uh, you know, a, Cle a Cleveland staple. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, out in Rocky River. And uh, so not quite Cleveland, but close-ish. And um, we were eating. And I was reading, as I did, because I wasn't supposed to, but I was doing it anyway. <laughs> and... Uh, 
I remember my dad's like, well, you know, like, what are you reading? And I was like, oh, this is a book about like how Han and Leia got together. And I remember him being like, wait, aren't they already together? Which honestly, at the end of the day, I think shows just how unnecessary this book is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I guess that's that's honestly, if I had to like just end my section with a point, I think it's that one. You're way more concise. Than me. I kind of went all over the place. You had a very concise outlook, and I appreciate that. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? Hey, that's it's like we're like two sides of the same coin. Me, a raving lunatic. You, a very uh, uh, <laughs> centered. I'd say you're centered with the force. And I, at least the Han we used to know and love, a little wild, uh, which I will say, funny you say that. If I were to change this book, even before you dive in, if they had simply had Luke come in saying, I have information on Dathomir, Luke, or, uh, Han just won this in a card game at a CD bar, same story could have happened without any of the courtship. Like the, everything on Dathomir did not yeah, need the courtship. I have some thoughts on that too, but I think that let's, let's give our viewers, we've just been talking all over the place. Let's give yeah. our viewers an, a, a plot synopsis so they can at least kind of follow some of the things we're going to yeah. So we've gone all over. So Kyle, um, it sounds like you have a really good idea of where to go. Cause, um, and I quote, we had Kyle did a really good job writing this document together. Like actually having a good layout for how you want to do this episode. So shout out to Kyle that there's some structure here. Otherwise I'd be everywhere. Um, he says, and I quote, what the hell happened to this book? Sweet Jesus. <laughs> so I, I agree with that. Yeah. Because so the book <laughs> opens with Han arriving back to Coruscant, Coruscant being, you see it in the prequels. I, I'm going to approach this as, to some of the listeners that may not have as much of an in-depth knowledge about Star Wars as Kenny and I do. So Coruscant, you know, you see it in the prequels as the capital of the Old Republic, as the capital of the Empire, and in, in these books, it is now the capital of the New Republic, uh, sort of the successor to the Rebel Alliance that is mm -hmm. formed in the aftermath of, of Episode Six. A rebel dream, if you will. A rebel dream, which is also the name of uh, Leia's flagship. flagship. A uh, Star Destroyer. Uh, which I like because, you know, and the fleet's kind of hodgepodge, right? You it have, is. Like, no, the, the three years after, you got hard like, to make more Mon Cal cruisers because they have the Mon Cal, Mon Calamari cruisers, which if you've seen Star Wars, the bulbous vessels you see, especially in episode six. So, you know, Admiral Akbar, he's uh, the Admiral, one of his like flagships. Mon Cal, yep, he's one of the most, one of the people keeping the fleet together. Uh, but yeah, and I like that too. It makes sense that they'd have to combine as much as they could to keep the firepower to defend the capital. And I've heard rumors too that uh, maybe there's a Star Destroyer down there. Maybe the Emperor left a little surprise. I think. Nothing Actually, to do with this that book. Already, <laughs> that already yeah, did that already happen? That already happened. Oh, yeah. That oh, was back right. during the war. But um, uh, anyway, uh, yeah. uh, what's her name? Yard or something, right? A Saint yeah. Yard. And I talked about that. Let me make that mark. Um, just a friend of ours. Who I bleeped last time. So if you ever meet him, he's just going to be bleeped. Honestly, that's the I, running I think it's going to be our most bleeped name. Well, I mentioned it that if he's ever on the podcast, Mr. Bleep that you just heard, I actually made the joke that even when he says his name, I'll bleep it out. As the, like, that's going to be the running joke. Uh, anyways, so I, I was Yeah, so Han, he has just arrived back from a, a long, strenuous campaign fighting against uh, Zinj, this yep. warlord. Um, so the Empire in, in, the, in the old expanded universe, Empire after episode six and the second Death Star blows up, it doesn't quite disintegrate. It kind of like fractures you know kind of fragments and there's there's what's called the remnant which is just like parts and pieces of of the old empire led by like admirals or like grand moffs or like tarkin type people yeah. that are just kind of still out there and still around it's but still they're not unified enough yeah. to really like make a push to destroy the new republic but they also are still a threat and they're still yeah because zinge alone it's pointed out in this uh, book has over 40 almost 50 star destroyers at his command just over dathomir where they go in there and that's later on but uh they're still very powerful war and a super star destroyer so exactly being like, retrofitted and refit so um they you can see that these people still hold a lot of weight hence what you heard me talking about earlier which cuts into a section here why a proper alliance with another strong entity is necessary in their mind 
And so the first thing we get, our first look at Han in this book is he is just tired and, for lack of a better word, honestly, just horny. Yeah, it literally says five months he's been hunting uh, Warlord Zinj um, for his superstar destroyer, the Iron Fist. He's crippled it and thinking he defeated and destroyed it. He's aboard the Mon Remonda, which is the uh, Mon Cal ship he's been on. And literally saying, I can't wait to get back to Leia. It's been a long time since I've had a good sweet kiss. So he just wants to get back to his, his wife. Yeah, he just wants to get some smooches, except they're not married. No, he just, that's what I'm saying. His waifu in the respect of woman he loves. Uh, his wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, okay. But no, he wants to get back to the woman he loves after episode six, which we saw established. There wasn't only love, but chemistry there that after going through the uh, process of defeating two Death Stars and helping win the rebellion, love was had. And after the last few years, we as viewers of the movies believed, yeah, of course, there's still a love. Why would that change? And um, he, he arrives back and it turns out there's a bunch of ships in orbit and immediately Han starts panicking. He doesn't know what they are. Um, but they are from that, in, like we mentioned in the preamble, the Hapes Consortium, this this sort of reclusive star cluster uh, that is now just sort of starting to reemerge on the galactic stage. Uh, slight tangent here. Yeah. As a kid, when I read this about the Hapes Battle Dragons, my little kid brain, because I wasn't like a little kid. You thought they were actually dragons? Oh, yeah. I thought they were like <laughs> dragon-shaped ships. Um, I, I was so, like, wow, that's so cool. And now I'm like, oh, they're just UFOs, which is also kind of cool, but yeah, like so the not as cool as I thought. So Bleep, uh, the person I mentioned before, had a lot how, of his old Star Wars How bad would you books. be right now if I said... Make that mock <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so uh, the person we keep mentioning and keep leaping um, had a lot of the old instruction manuals and the old blueprints books. If you remember those like growing up of the old ships, monsters, creatures, people, planets and the Hapen battle, like the actual like um, these like dragon battleships, a lot of the other ones they have uh, were in there. So I'd always seen Hapen ships and just didn't. Okay, really... so you already knew then what they looked yes. like. Yes, and I'd forgotten. Yeah, I forgot. I had to look them up again, and I was like, right. And the way you can imagine is imagine like an oval with like uh, almost like a a blimp, and underneath is a command module with another oval beneath it. And these are almost like these weird like it almost looks like almost a shortened like vulture droid on its side. Like it is like these huge ovals around a small command center, which uh, what makes these things so powerful. They're smaller than star destroyers, but these battle cruisers. Um, well, according to my handy dandy uh, nightcap official uh, yeah. list oh, yeah. of ufo shapes i believe these would be a, a domed disc they'd be a domed disc you are correct so these domed discs if you see them in the sky uh maybe you're seeing some hapen battle dragons uh what makes them so they're out there and why well, i think the so truth stand. is out there they really mean hapes is out there hapes is honestly isolder and the queen mother and everyone they're out the there ready to it, man they're here to marry you if you are of royal blood the mo they queen mother will find you <laughs> that that's the thing Afters better and, watch out what makes these so powerful, though, is the fact that they point this out in the book uh, very explicitly, is that while they are smaller and weaker in terms of the actual the technical backing they have and a lot of the uh, this shielding and a lot of the reflector uh, abilities that these vessels could have against a Star Destroyer, is that they can fire almost four times a minute as compared to a Star Destroyer that can only do about one. So in terms of actually recharging and firing shots to keep a good percussive field, they can shoot four times faster than other capital ships. So they're good at hammering ships fast and getting out. So they're really good skirmisher fighters. And that's why a full force of hate and battle dragons nothing to sneeze at and that's what again han comes as into as we find out klaxons go off and everyone's losing yeah, it and we find out that han doesn't trust hapes because i guess when he was a smuggler back during you know the pre-episode four days he got too close to their space and they like wiped out half of his like friends oh yeah uh because he's were got pirates. a bad history yeah yeah, um, yeah that's so gonna, too. let's just keep skating through this you know yeah so, yeah, yeah so han is like oh shit what do we do? 
And then everyone's like, nah, it's fine. They're here on a diplomatic mission, which in Star Wars, being somewhere on a diplomatic mission really doesn't mean anything because it can mean almost anything. It could I mean, mean almost the anything. The Chance of Four was boarded on a uh, diplomatic mission, mind yeah, you. Yeah, you know, like a so. diplomatic mission to Alderaan. Yeah, uh, which of course, yeah, we know what happened. And I but, mean, is you know, is it aggre- is it aggressive negotiations? Well, seeing this last time we saw for a lot of like you know the viewers out there was Episode Three with all these capital ships around during the assault of Coruscant when you know like Grievous's forces were there, and now we see these Hape and battle cruisers doing very much the same, but not firing. But there is dozens, and dozens of them just just chilling, just chilling. And Han's like, uh oh, <laughs> he just sees this happening. But when he gets the hail, he's like, I guess I'll go find out what's happening. Like, what what could have brought them here? That I was only gone for five months. Like, are we being occupied? <laughs> Yeah, and he goes down to the surface, and there's this big pr- like procession going on, yeah. and all of the hape planets are giving treasures to Leia. Every every single one, yeah, yeah, are giving her gifts, and uh, we'll get into what the gifts are in our in a nitpick later. But yeah, Mon know- does appear and say like, "Hey, they're presenting this to Leia because yeah, she's the dignitary that they're interested in," and Leia always the 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 hard ass negotiator is like i only see 62 and they're like well don't worry the core planet has the best gift of all we left the best one for last which is i also want to read the description for how i I actually you have it okay okay go ahead so um close your eyes listeners and just envision this beneath the veil was the most incredibly handsome man Han had ever seen. His deep-set eyes were a dark blue-gray, like the color of the sea on the horizon, and promised wit, wisdom, and humor. His powerful shoulders and firm jawline were strong. Uh, And later on, we get this description of of the prince. Isildur... I said that wrong, didn't I? Say it any way you want. Honestly, in Star Wars, I feel like there's no correct answer. (laughs) Isildur stood taller than Han and his thick chest and arms seem somehow intimidating, but not as intimidating as his regal manners or the calm strength of his face. The sea-gray eyes, the straight nose, and his thick hair hanging around his shoulders. He wore a cape over a white shirt that did not conceal the sculpted muscles of his belly or Ooh. his dark tan. Ooh. He looked like some barbaric god brought to life. <laughs> this is reading it, hearing it again. Done ever so guys what you're hearing here is imagine the first time you ever laid eyes upon like mark hamill you're like wow not that muscular but what a, what, a, what a handsome man right and really i mean more aptly honestly harrison ford like you saw him you're like that's a hot dude in episode four you're like damn and imagine from han's perspective a very handsome man he sees this chiseled god as he comes yeah. out. it's pretty much like thor landing down here this golden-haired god uh, as he's like yeah Names is older, and I'm just here to show off some pecs. I've been doing a few of the lunges. You noticed? Weird. Yeah, I, I only work out a little bit uh, on the on the weekends. You know. Yeah, you know they call it the uh, you know the hape and cluster here, but I just call this the, uh, the beef cake cluster. That was bad. Can I try that again? Uh, <laughs> I, the the hape the hapes cluster is his pecs. Yeah, that's honestly as I say, every star system, every gift could have been one of the muscles on his back flexing. As um, do us a favor, listeners. Um, look up. Princey Solder, and when you do, they'll show you the image they chose for the front, the 1995 year after it was like it actually produced cover, and you tell me if that man looks the same. He looks as confident. Trust me. Oh, yeah, tell me if that's the man <laughs> He's got a power pose, like hands on his hips, looking out majestically. I don't know who this man is, but I wish I could beat this this model. I know it's an art piece they did, but they clearly modeled it after someone. So. And also uh, featured on that cover, the badly painted on wedding dress on Carrie Fisher. 
Yeah, because that's Gary Fisher's face from six. Like, clearly that is her from like six. And then they just did. Also, Han's there, I uh, guess. Look up the, honestly, look up the cover for this. It'll, you'll, you'll, there's a lot to digest. And there's only like four people. Um, <laughs> um, also, but... nine times out of 10, when Dave introduces uh, Isolder at any point in, in this book, he, he has to just drop how hot he is. Like, oh, everybody knows everything. I, he's just a complete package. He's, he's funny. Oh, yeah. He's kind. And he he's always heroic. Around him. Like, yeah, everybody. He's, 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 he's got a little, he's a little bit of a scoundrel, though. He's got a little bit of a scoundrelly side hey, to him. We find that about him. Uh, here are the intros. That's a great way to kind of continue after Leia sees this. She's like, okay, uh, what's this? And then uh, he's says well i honestly would like your hand in marriage because like we talked about you asked hapes for help and the queen mother the leader of hapes uh my mother i'm the prince uh wants i i chose this i came out here and said i would like to marry you princess leia being a princess to bring our our families together really and make the new republic have a true alliance with hapes and in doing so giving you the right these battle dragons money beyond that like you can imagine and you can live in the hapes cluster in luxury forever uh all you have to do is say yes and she's like I'll think about it. <laughs> yes, the dress. Uh, he doesn't rush her either. He, he sold oh, was yeah. actually very open saying, take your time. Balls you can actually points. run a five month tour with me of hapes. And, and if you no say no, obligations. no hard feelings. And the thing is, you think he has to be hiding something like this is too good to be true. He's, he's not. No, he's always legitimately he, he, he is genuinely in love with her. <laughs> he's and he cares. He just wants to marry her. Uh, he has and... problematic views we'll get into, but when it comes to Leia, he's actually very open and caring about what she feels. For her life, he actually truly cares about her. And that, unlike anybody in this book, but I'd argue Luke, uh, is apparent. And Chewie. And everyone. Else. Really, everyone but Han. Han's the one person who has some very different views of what Leia wants. Um but he sold her though, tells her this, no strings attached. We'll go ahead, like it'll take a tour yeah, of hates. And you um, know, Leia starts getting some feelings. She warms up. Uh, and as we find out diplomatically, they do kiss a lot. So every time she kisses, like as diplomats do, they kiss. And she's like, this is a diplomatic way of showing uh she's like, agreement I really, and affection. This is I I'm a senator. Yeah, and that's what they say. It's like we kissed in a diplomatic way. I'm like, what does that mean? Like there's a point diplomatic. where they do that. And I was like, because but then he pulls her in a bit longer, and it's I mean, this Ooh, is where it gets that's not very diplomatic. Okay. Yeah, we'll get into the writing. That's a different there, kind really. of diplomacy. Different kind of diplomacy. Um and Han gets jealous as uh, yeah, we yeah. made to say Han bad. takes it the wrong way. Oh or reacts he, badly is is better. Yeah, it points out during these gift period, when he's next to Mon Mothma and others, she said that he looks back at Han and he's like wiping his face. He's like, oh, solo here. As he's like wiping sweat off his brow. He's, he's like, who is this handsome man? He's like, wow. You know, you're also not sure from that first introduction if Han doesn't want to get with, with uh, Isolde. I mean, I want to get with Isolde. No, we all do. Again, like going back to it, uh, when we talked about the 63 worlds on his shoulders is why he was so sculpted. He's been carrying this. The hapes, he gets the babes, if you know what I mean. So, uh, he, you, you, know, you know what I mean. So Han gets for lack of a better word, put it mildly. A little, little angry. Jealous and anxious. <laughs> and, and he starts to feel as though perhaps he starts to have an inferiority complex about what he could provide to Leia. This man is so handsome. You believe he's like a force user because the influence he has, Han's like, I think it's really Han battling with like, I want to kiss this man's lips, but she wants it more. And I can't have that. So like he immediately goes, I need to show Leia I love her more because clearly us having chemistry still talking these past three years and building a relationship has not been enough for me to trust that she'd want to be with me clearly for diplomatic. And actually he didn't even think diplomatic. He was just thinking for very physical reasons, she'd want him over. Yeah. It just comes to he's hot. I'm not. And, uh, with that, a bunch of things, we'll talk about this in the good and the bad, a bunch of things go off during all this. And uh, he does I'm, win a planet. I guess it's yes. the important thing. 
And this is, I'm going to talk about his section first. And we'll go to Luke, how he ties in. Cause this is all concurrent. Um, but like, so while he's doing this, he's like, okay, I need to prove to her. I love her. And every time he does something, it blunders, it goes wrong. Cause it just turns into a fight. Cause Han's an idiot uh, where he's like, we're well, supposed to love me. We've always loved each other. The fact you love this man now, is, it's a problem. And she's like, I didn't say I loved him yet. I'm just trying to talk to him and think about this in a diplomatic way. And he's like, you hate me. And he just keeps getting really angry and just immediately assumes in a very like incel way that you owe me something and you owe me your love. And he keeps getting angry that she doesn't want to reciprocate that. And I was like, this this sucks. And then eventually it all culminates with him going to, I need to give her a planet. They offered her 63 star systems and wealth beyond imagination. I can give her a world. And the reasoning being there is Alderaan, which is the planet that blows up in four, which is Leia is from. There are, there were survivors in this, in this old EU. And this is actually something I enjoy, I, I guess, about the book is that it does yeah. talk a little bit more about like, Hey, there are people off planet. There are Alderaanians that have nowhere yeah, to go. Refugees. now. They're just eternal refugees. And Leia is looking for a planet for them to colonize. And so Han thinks, man, I'll really win her heart if I go gamble my way to a planet and she can just take all of them and put them there. Yes. He goes to Omog, the Drakmarian warlord, um, who is a lizard imagine not quite a Trandoshan, but a like almost more lizard person with like a breeze methane kind of cool, has a little face mask, um, and wins a planet from her. Uh, in doing so, says, I have this beautiful world Dathomir. Like she puts it on the table and Han literally puts the, uh, also he bets the life of the Millennium Falcon more than anything else in this book and honestly doesn't give a crap about it after a certain point. Like after being his pride and joy, the Millennium Falcon is second string to almost everything in this. And he goes, like, yeah, I'll put it on collateral, get a bet, and if I lose it, I lose it. Um, he doesn't. He wins, gets it out of storage, whatever. Wins this world, goes back to Leia and tells her about it. And uh, she isn't nearly as excited as he is about it to going off because she's like, Han, I can't shirk my duties. Um, the Verpines, if you've ever heard of them, and others, um, or Verpine, uh, and other species are having this inner conflict. I need to deal with that. Isolder's coming with me. He's going to take me for a tour of Hapes. Like, I need to figure out this whole diplomatic angle and learn more about Isolder and whatever. And Han's like, she hates me. So he, he looks at the book, he looks at this planet and goes, I'm going to abduct the princess and force her to love me. So the Hapens have something, as I mentioned earlier, called the gun of command, which if you shoot at somebody, literally mind control somebody. That's just what it is. It, the neural processes get rewritten and whatever you say, they do, whether they like it or not. And even inside, when he pulls his gun on her and it's on camera, he abducts her. Actually, I'm, we're also skipping over the assassination thing, but I guess we can get back to that. Someone tries to kill Leia at one point. It's fine. It works out. He abducts her. Takes her over and at long story short, gets her on the Millennium Falcon and uh, they fly off to Dathomir uh, to see if it's the true world. He gives her a pretty much an ultimatum. Give me seven days. I've abducted you. Fall in love with me. We'll get married after. And we'll go into the details of all the stuff that happens there again in a second. But that's the grand sweeping. What happens? The soldier is like, what the hell? <laughs> so yeah, he's, he's like, gonna I'm going to go after her and his mother, who's the queen of the Hapes cluster. She's like, well, I'm going to go after them too. But if I find them first, I'm just going to murder Han Solo. Yes. Um, that's a thing that, that's an undercurrent that's running through this whole book. Yeah. It's how shitty she is as a person. Oh yeah. And again, there's assassination attempts. Things have already happened. Leia was saved by soldier during this. Like there's a lot, they have interactions that kind of build up their relationship. And during all this, if you want to talk about Luke's side, it's all happening concurrently. Yeah. Yeah. So Luke is off. Uh, L Luke is, he's just off trying to rebuild the Jedi. You know, he's trying to build six, an academy. Yeah, he wants to build an academy to teach new students, but he's starting to realize, and this is actually something I think is a pretty fair point, he doesn't really know how to do that because yeah. he didn't really have a very orthodox Jedi training. You know, no, what you see no. in the movies is kind of what you get with Luke. He, he had that brief tutelage under Obi-Wan, and then he had that training from Yoda in, in 5. Yeah, uh, and that's kind of it, you know. And, and old canon, he visited a few temples between five and six and actually centered himself in the forest, but never had a trainer. Outside of Ben talking to him and Yoda, like he really did, he did research on his own. Uh, so that's what this comes down to. Exactly. He's, he's like, wanting well, to see 
what the old Jedi did so he can maybe like compare and contrast. Exactly. That yeah. Sort of so he's like, I need to find out old teachings. What, what the hell else do I know? Yeah. So he's, he's going off and he's visiting all these planets. And the whole reason Luke even ends up in the plot is, and I, and I shit you not listeners. He has, he, 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 he smokes some, some space weed and has a force vision of Dathomir. And it's like, well, I guess I got to go there now. So, Interesting enough with that scene, um, something again, I, I just I would be remiss to not mention is that while he is out here looking on this backwater world, uh, looking for this old like these archives, these old like data discs about like um, during the uh, thousand years of peace with the Republic, the High Republic. Um, I want to find out anything to get this temple. And he finds one disc that R2 helps him kind of pick out. He reaches out with the force and feels like this is the one um, plugs in. And R2 shows an image of Yoda, our favorite green little dude. <laughs> He's I'm honestly annotating here like it's not everything. He goes, hmm. It's, there's a name of a ship uh, that was uh, lost. Well, I should say he named something. We find out's a ship. He's like, lost it was. The witches of Dathomir repelled us. Dangerous this place was. Hmm. And like Yoda's, it's about three hundred years by ago, the witches, which is something he that- says repulsed by the witches, which comes back a lot. But I should note, he says, and I'm almost quoting directly. I noticed a much more young and vibrant Yoda, a perky Yoda, running, uh, coming up here on this visual screen. He seemed perkier and lighter green as it was 400 years ago. As he just says, repulsed by the witches. One of the witches calls him an oh that old flirt. flirt. <laughs> Trust me, I noted that. Yeah, Yoda apparently was a lady killer back then, but knew his Jedi duties. No attachments, but he can have some fun. Can you give me your best Yoda like pickup line? Yeah, absolutely. So um, let's say Yoda comes in here. He goes, "Hmm, any shopping you'd like to do?" Uh, am I my am, am I in this? Yeah, you, 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 you get a play with me here. Yeah. So uh, you're, okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'd like to go shopping. Then jump into my toy, Yoda. We'll go to the Darth Maul. <laughs> <laughs> Not really a pickup line, more just a yeah, good day out. Joke. <laughs> he's just a flirt he's not trying to get too like hot later on like a direct guy he's he's a flirt he's a little you know he I says little very seduced mm, green with envy you are of these muscles he sold her nothing on me he has my little green friend see and that's honestly even i'm sure palpatine's like oh that old flirt i knew him oh, <laughs> my little green friend little flirt so yeah that that's the thing you know what apparently that's like the two times you were mentioned other than luke constantly thinking repulsed by the witches how powerful these witches you find out um but anyways yeah he sees he goes, that he, tries, he has to go to dathomir and coincidentally we're just i'm gonna just speed run through the yeah, rest there's of a this, lot because yeah. there's a lot so he goes uh, they end up all on dathomir at the same time yes. luke and he's older kind of meet up, yeah. up uh and they end up on the same planet but they're not they're separated from han and leia yeah and they get captured by the witches the two end up the two sides kind of end up reuniting. Yeah. Uh, there's some stuff we'll get into about like what the power dynamics at play are. And how uh, ha, especially, specifically how Luke and how he sold her get brought into it. Because uh, yeah. they yeah, yes. they be an interesting character. Yeah. And yeah, and, they, uh, they meet up and they find out that the Night Sisters, as many of you know, are very different than the witches of Dathomir. There's multiple clans of witches, and no, there are good witches. I think a lot of people sisters. think now the Night Sisters are all of them are all of them, which is exactly. not true. The yeah. night sisters are the evil faction. They're and the I dark. The, I'm trying to remember the exact name of the, of the good one. It's the, so like, there's a lot. There's like the, the mountains or something. River ones. Uh, they're like the, uh, the song sing song mountains. Hold on. Um, it's the, I know you're t- It's the main ones for some reason. It's the song. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
Um, I'll get it here in a second. But yes, there is a main clan group that we go so to. So they're, they're all the witches of Dathomir. The Night yeah. Sisters, though, which have become the sort of more famous version, are, are the evil yes. ones. Again, light versus dark, and they very commentated on that. The dark side of the force corrupts them to have blotched skin. Like Yeah, they look very much so. Eyes. They honestly very look, corrupted. They look like evil dead characters. So they sound like they're like almost like re-deads or reborns. It almost yeah, sounds like, like they have rack rules if you're familiar, like so racked by the dark side that they are mutated almost. Leathery skinned, raspy voices. They look like walking That's corpses. That's thing, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, listeners, thank you so much for bearing with us so far as we try to get through the synopsis. Long story short, the Night Sisters want a ship to get off the planet. The planet itself is is under an interdiction. So like no one's allowed to leave because no one can leave. No one can go in. That's the goal. Unless it's expressly put by the Imperials. They're worried about the Night Sisters leaving. So the Night Sisters want a ship. The Um, Singing Mountain Clan. That's our good. That's our hero. Singing Mountain Clan are our heroes. Yes. Yeah. And so basically it turns into a war between the Singing Mountain Clan and the Night Sisters over the Han's ship. And the deed to the planet, which Han has because he won it in a fucking card game. Because, of course, as you imagine, the Night Sisters want to get off, but because this planet is clearly shown that it has no technology to do so and the, they've been interdicted, they want to escape to unleash their evil upon the universe, their galaxy. That's the idea. And uh, everyone else is like, no. A bunch of hijinks Bad. happen where uh, it only exists because I think Dave wanted to give the characters more time to have nonsense, romance, tension. <laughs> yes. Um, eventually, a big fight happens. Luke ends up fighting the Night Sisters, losing, going into a Force trance. I will get to that. Uh, <laughs> he has a spirit bomb moment. If you ever seen Dragon Ball, yeah, the Force, all living thing, a salamander goes, "My son," and like gives him life force. Friend, take this. Take my. <laughs> Everybody energy. gives him energy. Take my energy back. There's some um, weird parasaurs he meets. They give him energy. It's. I, can I just? I we keep distracting. Never mind. Uh, and so, and so Han bad. goes to try and like blow up the Night Sisters in a suicide bombing, but With fails. A double detonator. So he goes in there. Does it work? No. And he's like, "I'm gonna die." Uh, and then all of a sudden, he's like, "Who's flying the Falcon? It must be one hell of a pilot." And he thinks yeah. it's is Solder. He's like, yeah, the "Falcon's doing Solder. insane maneuvers that like G's that no one could sur- not survive and pull off, really, unless you're a droid." And uh, yeah. yeah, it was like Skywalker. He's like, it has to be a soldier. And it's not Kenny's right. It's Luke. And Luke is like, so just full of the, of the force. He's just like going crazy. He's like, killing night witches and he was pretty much dead three hours ago in the book, pretty much dead. And eventually the heroes beat the night sisters. They Zinge who like is only kind of been in this book a little bit just dies because Han blows up his command. His, Epic ending after being one of the most prolific warlords and villains, the early remnant, and through most of the X-Wing novels, and one of Han's biggest contention points, dies in a book that's not even focused on him. Isildur ends up with a character we'll talk a little bit more about later on. One, uh, of, one the of the Night Sisters. One of the, yeah. uh, well, the, not the Night say, Sisters. I'm uh, sorry, I keep saying that. Now I'm mixing it up. Sorry, one of the witches, so the Singing Mountain Clan. Yeah, one, one of, of the, the actual clan. witches. Uh, Han and Leia get together, of course they do, and Luke finds the stuff from that crash ship that Yoda was finds the force. He finds the force. <laughs> That's his real, the waifu we all yeah, need. Yeah, you know, and it turns out, at the end of the day, really, the force was just the friends we made along the way. Literally, that's what Luke tries to tell everybody. And uh, we we get to meet some interesting characters. Um, and of course, for Chewie's, like, his character arc is, um, I hate Han, I'll deal with Han. I guess Han. Come on, buddy. And 3PO just singing ballads about Han, and then R2 just scanning and really just you know, chirping. Yeah, R2 background. doesn't really do a whole lot in this in this book. He just kind of scans and says, I don't see anything. And they're like, thanks, R2. And he just yeah. plays videos for like convenient exposition. Like that's um, about it. 
and the book ends with Han and Leia. With Lu- well, the, I should say the book ends with Luke being late to Han because <laughs> he went to Alderanian, which Alderanian, uh, a different alien species, the Alderanian embassy, not Alderanian, which is a funny joke they really emphasize. Like, oops, Luke made a whoops. Oh no! And then yeah. he gets there, and three PO comes out ex- ex- explaining something, like exclaiming that the wedding has to be called off because earlier in the book we'll talk about more. Is uh, he found out that um, Han he believed is of royal lineage and is actually the last true king of Corellia. Turns out that's not true. His ancestor was a uh, pretender to the throne. He's like, we have to call it off. If it's not a royal wedding, it's not a real wedding. And Luke's like, I got you, bud. Shuts him down, throws him in an office room, locks it, and then walks in. As Leia's like, oh, my brother. And he's like... Well, I think <laughs> the, the closing <laughs> lines is he sensed that Leia uh, wasn't <laughs> angry that he was late. She was just happy he was there. Yep, it, that's literally it. Um, also, Luke he is she was Han's best man. He is Han's best man, yes. and he is and late, late to the wedding. It's it literally, having arrived late, she wasn't angry, only grateful that he had made it. And at that moment, Leia was more serene, more content than she'd ever been in her life. And perhaps she was filled with joy as anyone could be. Wow. That's how it ends. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, my last line was, by the way, Wingman Luke of literally throwing 3PO into a closet pretty much to be like, you might blow this one. And we went through too much whatever to get here. I'm not going back to Dathomir. And it should be noted, in the front, the front row, um, Isolder and um, the witch that we mentioned are there together. So they're here to witness this wedding. So everybody really came together, including a lot of other uh, fun people you already know and love. Um, but to note that, though, uh, we that's pretty much a synopsis. A, uh, sorry it took a little bit to get through it, but um, really at the end of the day, you got the feel for it. And now we're going to break this part in a different section. Uh, where we go with, as Kyle's put it, I love this, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the weird. Uh, there's these need to be distinct because the weird, there is definitely things that separate from everything. And um, this is, we're going to go into more of the nitty gritty uh, where we gave you, we did dive into it a little bit, but much more intimately, we glossed over a lot of sections. And I think going over all of this, will kind of talk about what worked, what didn't work and what really makes this book tick. Yeah. So we're going to start off on a high note, right? We're going to start off talking a little bit about the good. What were, if anything, the few things we liked about There are a few good things in here. And that's what I said Uh, at the top. A lot of old canon was influenced by a lot of stuff that happened here, and I appreciate that. So I'm interested to hear at least we'll, we'll kind of go back and forth. Like you want to do a point and a point, just kind of sure. see. Yeah, yeah. So start with yours, reading it twice. What's a what's the, let's say the highest peak? So what was something you I loved? I didn't focus, and, and this is good because I think you're going to cover what I didn't focus on because I didn't focus too much on its impact on the more of the EU. I really tried to just look at this as as its own thing, right? Like yeah. what was in this book that that I didn't mind, and honestly, the top thing was Luke and Leia's sibling relationship. Yes, yes. Um, because you don't really get, because there's that reveal in six, oh, we're siblings. Uh, and then it kind of just peters out. I mean, because you know, there's not really a whole lot of time to explain it, because it happens like in the last 30 minutes of the movie. Um, so it was really nice to see them act like siblings and care about each other and, and really start to start to form more of a sibling relationship since they found out they were siblings as adults. Um, and there's a scene specifically when early on, Leia's feeling kind of betwixt and between about Han and Isildur, and she calls Luke late at night and and sort of just talks to him like, hey, you know, I'm there's these two guys I really like, and I'm, you know, I have my job and my calling to the New Republic telling me that I, I should marry Isildur, but like, obviously, I have a history with Han. Mm-hmm. And she's, and you know, Luke listens and like gives some pretty valuable advice about like hey you know well it's not really actually it's not valuable advice it's pretty generic he literally is just like 
follow your heart. And she's like, that's the worst thing you could have yeah, said. Yeah, Luke is so distracted at that point. He's just kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Han's a great guy, but if Solar's better, go with him. She's like, that doesn't tell me anything. He's like, okay, call you later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, but, but like, what? you know, I, I like that, that it's, no, it's established there that like when one of them has a problem, the they, other, call the other. they call the yeah. other one. Um, and so I really liked that. I, I really liked, and there's a couple other times where they kind of talk and like, there's even times I think where Leia puts more of an, and as it probably should be, puts yeah. more of an importance on Luke's safety versus Isildur or Hans. Yeah, no, there's um, a moment because where- Because uh, it's her twin brother, like- Yeah, no, somebody that she'd only just reconnected with during the war, of course, that's been a couple of years, but separated because he's still trying to find out this old Jedi business and find out what the Force is. Even as detached as you can see him, his compassion for one another is very well shown in the respect. There's a scene where we talk about Luke dying. He pretty much dies in this, like barely makes it until the Force is literally- brings him back to life uh where leia's mourning it like i can't feel him anymore the most she was always comforted to know she as we know i mean we know that leia is force sensitive episode five and six established that when she feels luke beneath bespin uh she's like yeah i can i'm not as like you know apt as he is but i can feel him i can even read some like level of his emotions like i know when he's close and know if he's safe i can't hear him anymore and that's where she really starts to break down more than any other time in the book she's like i i think i lost my brother like after all this he gave his life to defend mm -hmm. um a lot of these witches here and that was a powerful moment because you see like her and Luke's too. He's like, if I can't hear Leia too, like if they don't hear each other, like I know they're safe. I mean, that impacts them deeply because that's one person they can rely on deeper than anyone else. Yeah. And that's so. a moment where she's like, crap. And Han's like, multiple times in the scene, Han's like, I don't know what to say. He goes like, uh, uh oh, like, he, he'll make shoulder. it. Yeah, he'll make it. He's like, he's, he's a tough cookie. She's like, I can't hear him. He's like, that's rough, buddy. He's like patting around the shoulder, like, uh-oh. But I thought that was powerful, though, because it shows that you're right. They can call each other, but it's more comforting even just to know they're close because they know how competent the other one is and know they will be safe and do whatever they can to help the other, which they do time and time again. So that's definitely one of the more realistic relationships where they actually care and want to make sure the other is kept yeah, safe. Yeah, probably one of the few good relationships. Good, I would argue, good, yeah. If the only one. Yeah, and that's, like, kind of ties into, like, what I liked is, so... I'm interested to hear what you think, but I think this has one of the more interesting and one of the the ways that I would read into the Force that actually dove into it a book. Like how Luke describes the Force, I actually really digged how he kind of described the living Force. Uh, not uh, some of the execution, I'd argue, like later on with what happens to Luke, but in terms of how he interacts with it, saying it is a, a living thing that you know, pours through all of us as it's established in 5 and 6. Um, but to be on the light is to be one who's able to manip not manipulate this, but ask to use it. We are merely passengers on this ride, not using anybody. He actually snaps and he sold her. There's a scene where they're called the Blue Mountain People. Uh, these almost parasaur-like dinosaurs who help them run across the desert. And um, he, Luke puts his hand on it and like responds to it a few times just to go like, ha ha, conversation. And Soldier's like, you're talking to this weird dinosaur thing? And he's like, of course, if I use the force, I can understand their surface thoughts, emotions, and even kind of contact with them and let them know my intentions. They're willing to take us across the desert safely to get to these knights, that, or I keep saying that, the witches, and go find Leia and Han. And he's like, well, can't you just tell them what to do? And Luke like snaps, like, hey, buddy, that's not what I'm like. He's like, that's the dark side if you control people. He's like, the light lets you ask people. They yeah, will you don't force you. anything. You, you, no. you, you communicate. You, you merely say, I have the intention to work alongside you. And that's what it is. So he talks about the force almost being a companion, an ally, not something you control and use like you use in the dark, which is a very big theme for the force side of this novel. And I really digged how he described that as, again, this ally of the force and how everything flows and even seeing the force flowing through these creatures. Um, I thought until the weird spirit bomb scene, I thought that was very Yeah, no, I like, I like, I like that sort of interpretation too. And that actually kind of ties in a little bit to my second good point, which is, for the most part, Luke's characterization in this book feels like one of the few, I think, True they actually kind of got okay. Yeah. Um, because 
Luke is very much so uh, he doesn't kill unless he absolutely has to. You know, there's a part where uh, I think someone, one of the Night Sisters is trying to like corrupt him. And he gives a, you know, he kind of laughs at her and it's just like, you know, if the Emperor couldn't turn me, like, what hope do you have? What are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's and it's this is also where um, if you are familiar with old canon, Luke's power creep is pretty aggressive. And this book starts to show that moment where it turns like once he's literally resurrected from the force, he becomes this is where his force got Grandmaster Luke. If you're a fan of some of the other games and tabletop games, uh, Luke becomes extraordinarily powerful. Uh, extraordinary. Shout out to. Someone who may or may not listen to this, who I whooped their ass with Grandmaster Woo! Luke. <laughs> hey, you're welcome, bud. In the old um, Star Wars miniatures. Uh, I always wondered like, where that started. And this book really shows where Luke's power creep really starts turning up. Three years true. of like yeah. training and stuff. He's stupidly powerful in this book, but even has some shortcomings and weaknesses until after he gets resurrected from the dead, pretty much. And then like, becomes there's a point where you think insane. like, wow, he's held captive. And then he's like, actually. You're sucking here with me. Yeah, like I, I, <laughs> I've been hiding my hand this whole time yeah anytime luke has to face anybody like um he completely decapitates one night sister like, anytime he fights one he kills them like there is no contest he completely he's cut two and you clearly see him cut two and a half decapitate another and literally whenever there's a time talking about fighting stormtroopers they don't even give it the time of day in the book he just says they are dispatched with quickly when luke has to fight it is a joke like luke is meant to be in here as a i am the end all be all which is why i know as kyle mentioned I don't want to kill. And he multiple times talks to characters saying we shouldn't kill. Always give them a chance. Which culminates in a moment near the end of the book where um, one of the main uh, witches actually preserves one of the night sisters, the very evil thing they're looking to destroy and helps her heal to live. So showing that the light side can't prevail even in war. Yeah. And I, and I think that like Luke's whole, I kind of liked, I, you know, I'm a sucker at the end of the day, unfortunately for the arch the pure light archetype of like, evil will like i refuse to let evil win no matter what and that's pretty much luke in this in this film a lot of yes. people are like guys we should they're like we should just leave dathomir fuck it like it's all over our head and luke is like no like i am not going to let the evil that exists on this planet continue to exist here knowing about it like i, I it is my duty to stop it which is very like messiah complex but hey I like that trip. So it's and this fine. is the part where, as we know, in episode because I like it means it's okay. Exactly. I mean, it, this also ties into Luke's moment with you know Han when he comes in so confident at Jabba's palace uh, with saving Han after like you know everything's taken care of by you know Leia. That's such a cool moment because Luke is so confident in his abilities. He's like, oh Jabba, if you try to kill me, it'll only be your ruin. And Jabba's like, aha, Ibana Bota, the Wookie. And he's like, oh, the so Wookiee. it's like that moment three years later. It's like we saw Luke that powerful. What would he look like this? always confident we do see his fears in his head because he's like oh these night sisters are more powerful than even i thought decapitate <laughs> he just the kills witches. them anyways but repulsed by the witches yeah repulsed by that comes up a lot he always thinks all i can think of yoda saying mm, repulsed, repulsed by, by the witches, witches. <laughs> please jump in my toyota get away safely <laughs> uh but that's one thing i liked and i'm sorry back to you now for another good no no that was, oh, was that, that part of the my good? point okay, we kind of shared the same one there so these are just, I have a short list of things that this actually definitely influenced or at least expounded upon in the um, uh, old canon and legends, which is still carried on in some of new canon, which I think is very cool. Um, one, this is on the tail end of actually talking about Zinj, obviously, and like talking about his influence on the galaxy. Uh, but this is also an interesting take on like showing that um, even there were parts of the rebellion that um, uh, during that time that the, uh, there's a lot of stuff the emperor did, whether it's cloning programs, building a multitude of secret weapons, having secret 
bases, the core of the galaxy, uh, you name it. Um, but this is one of the few times you actually see the Emperor had fear. And this ties into, obviously, like with the sisters. This even goes into later on with Yuuzhan Vong War, which we're not going to talk about in this podcast. But there's things that even the Emperor himself could not fully prepare for. And as we know, if you just take it from the films, he's a fearless leader who is of almost indomitable power, which is only taken down by Luke and Vader, really Vader taking to his own hands. Um, but in this one, though, it actually shows that he feared the Night Sisters so much so he actually interdicted a planet, which shows vulnerability to the Emperor worse than we had beforehand, which yeah. a lot of other pieces dive into, which I think that's cool because this is the first I know of that does that. So it shows that even an indomitable force even has... Even Sheev was like, uh, repulsed by the witches. <laughs> Like he couldn't do it, so that's why this planet walked down. Vader, there's all these these witches on that planet. I, I I'm just gonna close it off, Vader. I don't Could want you to talk to them for me. If that goes poorly, I'll just interdict it. I'll talk just, to I'll them, Vader. It. It's like, fine. no. <laughs> He's like, that's like, fine. Oh, oh, very well then. Well, just, just no one gets to go there anymore. Yeah, take it. Put a little fence around it. Uh, and they did. They they've guarded that for since the end, or even before then. And they talk about that before the end of the rebellion. Is and much I should of a vacation say, home, eh, Vader? so it there, there's a it's not a good vacation place. Um, and other small things, of course, we knew from the Academy series it's happening, but this alludes to early Academy Luke trying to search for all these Jedi records, holocrons. And even trying to find out what this is, and even alluded with a character named Rel, who could look into the future and mentions that, you know, Yoda, that old flirt. That old um, flirt. She mentions, oh, Luke Skywalker, you're here. So you already have your academy and your family. So she mentions yeah, the family. Like your your wife kids, and your but, children, which yeah. he only ends up having one kid. One kid, so, so Ben, we know, but. Um, didn't end up being super accurate. But, but he left that open to have another writer go in there and kind of tack with that with Mara Jade, we know later on, and Ben um, and others. But I mean, that's the idea that, hey, like we already alluded to open this door to say, Luke, we know that's one thing it always came into. Like, who would Luke end up with? And we know there's been many, but Mara Jade, obviously the most famous at last. Uh, so that kind of opened a door for that early on. And there were plans for that. Even the Dark Forces game had Mara Jade around this time too. So she was already an established character. Uh, and then we had uh, going into the Night Sisters themselves, as we know, is probably the most prolific thing that came out of this for any, even new canon still influenced by that with them being much more of the dark contorted ones we see in the Clone Wars series and current canon uh, where they pretty much talk out they explained that they won the planet and have the Knight Brothers as well, as we know. That's where Savage Opress and Darth Maul come from, so not just the yeah, sisters. Yeah, see, that's, that's, a, that's stuff I don't even know about. So that's... Yeah, but this contorts the message from this book where they actually had some servient slave men to breed with. They're just breeding stock and help go around the, uh, the camps to help prepare stuff. That is this book. This is what they yeah, say. Yeah, so think like Wicker so, Man. Yeah, yeah, and it's a cult here that does that, and these women are in, in charge doing this, and um, in the new canon, it takes the idea that they still have these subservient men, but cultivate them the same as these night witches, train them to be warriors. They're just not, they are second class the night sisters, but these night brothers still the same planet. That's new canon. As you all know, Savage Press, great name. Shout out to our guy. Um, anyways, so a few other things, of course, um, the uh, how the force is used. Uh, we had a good idea of how, uh, especially with the uh, Academy series, I'm sure they dive into it. But seeing what Luke is capable of in other characters and seeing how nuanced the force can be uh, from uh, surviving concussive landings on aircraft, using it to heal. This is one of the first times I have at least read where force healing really took a major impact and saved multiple characters' lives. As now many people are familiar with Episode Nine, uh, this is one of the big times and in the games at this point, force healing was big. You could save people from dying and you give your life force to save theirs. Big thing. Uh, outside of that, this is the first introduction of Force Storm. So people may know from yeah. the uh, KOTOR series, uh, Darth Bane and others, a little different than just the lightning storm you create with your hand. This is a literal maelstrom that is created that uh, destroys and racks parts of the planet, pulling things in it and has purple crackling lightning. So the idea of the dark force being so strong it could manifest in a world storm, I mean, yeah, started here, which we've seen, again, Darth Bane famously learns the same move, just a bit smaller. 
Uh, so big thing for the dark side. And of course, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff here that I can go into, but that's the main takeaways. Also, that Rancors are more intelligent than I guess I was ready for because <laughs> they, they actually have spears, intelligence, a language, uh, learn yeah, how to create they, basic like, technology because of the like system. oral history. Yeah, and like, uh, what is it? Um, the the leader of them, uh, the the mother, like the uh, the actual like, there's a uh, old um, like larger rank horse. So imagine if you saw episode like six. Nest mother. Kind uh, of. Patisa is the one we know in six that Luke destroys, uh, kills her. Malakili. So they get way bigger. Yeah, and you see that one. That one's probably about I think they conjecture 15, 16, 20 feet tall. Probably twenty. These get thirty feet tall. They clearly establish a walker, an imperial walker, an ATST is twenty one feet. This thing is thirty. It towers over it. And uses a club to take out multiple many times this book. Um, but the mother here, they talk about how they have this oral history and actually talk about how they came to contact with the sisters. And it's the idea that um, Rancor's got their own little lore there, which is kind of fun. I always knew that there are terrifying creatures and worked with the sisters and, of course, like with the actual witches. Uh, but got a little more introduction there. Specifically, Dathomir, I feel like this is Dathomir exclusive. And then, of course, there's a multitude of species from Draconians, Barbells, uh, the Verpines, and others that, like, hadn't really been expanded upon. And mm -hmm. just got more, like, things that we'd already seen in probably the Cantina scene and others, but exploring more of those, like, even basic uh, interactions with those characters, uh, which were taken a lot further after. So it did a good job, in conclusion, of bringing in species. Um, even how ships work with concussive shielding and how there's two types of shielding for traveling uh, versus actual combat. How shielding can be used, personal shields. Like, a lot of stuff we take for granted, and especially the KOTOR and early Old Republic games, uh, came from this book and a lot of books around it so just a lot of cool lore that i thought was very like spread out even till now especially with the night sisters so we do have a lot of weird little elements and even hapes themselves a lot of this biotechnology to thank uh old dave here that he introduced and worked alongside the academy series to make happen yeah my my last point of, of a good thing for this book is isildur um he's just a likable hot guy like he's just he is. uh he's a he's he's got he's just fun like i don't know he's he's yeah. just more likable than han in this in this book 100 he's the right choice uh, if this was like you know the actual like bachelor or bachelorette in this case he han should have been voted off immediately and honestly i guess this could be a good transition i don't know if you had any other good really is just the living force that and he's soldier i actually agree yeah. other than his uh eugenics bit i think he's a pretty cool dude because this this ties in i guess into transitioning into the bad which like what didn't work and that is one of the big ones for me is really in this book there is no reason for Leia to choose Han. No. Um, besides, that's I mean I guess you know you already know she's going to end up with Han because you're if you're like me you were reading books coming out like well I wasn't reading these in in ninety four obviously but like yeah. you know if you were reading them in nineteen ninety four you were reading this book and then you were also reading the Jedi Academy trilogy at the same time where they have kids so you're like probably they're going to get married at the end of this book um you know unless there's some weird thing going on there but like i don't know i i i just isildur besides everything else just is way more likable than han in this book and it also doesn't kidnap leia yeah uh i open that page and this i think we have to save this for the ugly so i'm not going to go into the kid yeah we won't get to but i have and I quote on this page, this is some whack ass shit like when he abducts her. So like yeah. that's I never read it and reading it is a lot more horrifying than you expect. Um, but I agree. Like the bad is I, I completely second that notion that a soldier is objectively the better character. He's a noble man, follows some principles and is a well written enough character that when he is challenged, he will argue back. But at the end of the book, completely doubles back. He is a man who is a, a monarchist to heart. 
wants to make his mother happy because he's afraid of her <clears throat> and is like literally like i know men's place in society and while you can clearly see he disagrees with it and his this matriarchal setting he's like i know my place need to find the right wife and no matter at the end of the day i have to come home with someone to have another daughter carry on this this line and i know that um, i have been gifted i'm a leader i need to continue this other people can't do what i do and by the end of it he's like no, I'm going to marry for love. I found somebody I actually think really means a lot to me. To hell with my mom says, challenges his mother in front of a, a court of the other, like, sister, or the, I was to say the witches, um, and everyone else. And also, yeah, and his new wife, like, kicks his mom's ass. And yeah, like, literally says, I'm, I'm going to be the new queen, <laughs> motherfucker. And you can't do anything about it because I, as you call me, a spoon bender, I will kick your ass. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, he actually has a complete heel pivot and him and Han become friends. They want to kill each other half this book for very obvious reasons. And him and Han call each other now, friend, clap each other on the shoulder. So the the love interest for Isildur, her name is uh So I say Tenennial. Tenennial. I, I found off the Tenennial. comments, but Tenennial's how I I cannot think of another way to really say it. <laughs> um, so uh, she is um, one of the singing mountain clans that's been ostracized. Yeah, so she is a force user witch on Dathomir. Yeah. Um, who at the very beginning is interested in Luke, but then like, yes. and this is a and this is why I'm putting this in the bad section. At some point, and you don't really know when or why her affection switches. It, honestly, it doesn't switch. Luke kind of goes. There's one hey, moment where he says, "No, that's it. I'm not." She's obsessed with, with Luke. You. Until she puts her face on his arm and literally just says, like, and the, the way it's written uh, is she's like, if only I could just find the one thing I want most. Could the light side do that for me? And he goes, and Luke in his mind goes, I know what she wants, but I'll feign ignorance. He goes, I might be able to. <laughs> he looks over and he's like, the light side can do the many things. The force works in mysterious ways. That's what he says. He goes, like, it works in ways that even I can't predict. And she read that as, oh, you don't want to sleep with me. And he was like, yeah. And then right then she goes, it's older it is. Yeah, <laughs> like she looks over. just settles for him. <laughs> but settles. then, But the book makes it sound so much more like, my god the fires of their passion like, and it's just like but is it though the only time i could think is like the one moment i was trying to think that too after the book after i finished it full disclosure listeners i finished it today so it's fresh in my mind like i there's a moment where the sing by the fire she's like he's like point to a star i'll tell you what's there you've always wanted to leave let me tell you what these worlds are like because i'm so like apt at astrogation yeah. let me point and do it and she's like what about that star he's like that's a planet she's like i was testing you what about that one? he's like that's a dead planet she's like oh bad question and he's like next one she points over he's like oh that's near apes and um has a beautiful moment where he kind of like talks about the stars taking your, like someday she should go away there and really see these other worlds that there's so much more out there. And they, that's the only touching moment they really have outside of her saying, you're really hot. Uh, that's why I abducted you. And of course her defending him, I guess, early on the way that the night sisters, yeah, uh, they try to make her like sympathetic where she's yeah. like, look, I know you're my slave, which is not sympathetic at all. Cause it's still slavery. Yeah. She but... says clearly he said, calls her master at the end still. Cause he's like, technically legally, I'm still her slave before they get married. Uh, that's prevalent. But she's like, I didn't, you know, if you really didn't like me, you could like run away or like I could sell you to someone else. I'm like, this is still slavery. Yeah, no, like, that she does has not changed the fact this is still fucking slavery. What's wild about that, though? She's talking about that because this is the, they're having an argument about like, well, if I go back to hapes with you, he's like, no, it'd look bad. You're not of royal blood. This won't work. I'll be ostracized. She's like, I don't give a shit. And he was like, well, what options do I have if I were to leave here? She's like, you could be sold to someone else, fought for, escape. And if I believe I should still own you, I come after you. Or if you leave, uh, we can just like, set up you being abducted by another clan. Uh, really, just, just and, and the book stock. makes it out like, wow, he's given her, she's given him so many options. It's like, no. And he sold her says that in his head. He's like, well, in my society, men are pretty rigidly stuck. At least there are options here. He says that in his head. He thinks at least which, men have options. Now we're, just we're different dipping forms into of the slavery. ugly. So I guess do we want to just get into the ugly or did we, you have a, did there's you have a bad, bad point? Um, I would say another bad one. And this is very broad. I have a few specific examples, but it's just 
the writing of love. Uh, there is ugly parts of it, but overarching, it's just bad. Uh, because in this book, and I mentioned this earlier, they, Dave is conjecturing the idea that what if we actually had a fan fiction written about Han and Leia when they met in episode four, when they still know how they totally felt about each other. There's definitely something, a spark that could come out of something. Even then when he says, you know, like we see the moment, you know, you know Han and, or excuse me, uh, Luke and like uh, Leia to make him jealous. Like clearly there was something there. She wants to make him jealous. And he's like, oh, this is weird. Um, but anyways, like they was like, what if they were still getting to know each other? Because half the book, they're fighting, bickering and not even mentioning like they had a relationship beforehand. And all of them are blushing like school children. Every, even Luke, every character that's blush is like, oh, yeah. my emotions. It's very, control? like, anime. It's very just, it like, woo-woo. It's like, always blushing, um, always embarrassed. No one hides their emotions. Everything's on their sleeve. And there's multiple, multiple times where um, every woman in this cries because they're sad about a man. Uh, sad about yeah. emotion. No yeah. man really cries. All the men just stoically are like, well, if she loves me, she'd, uh, she'll definitely love me at the end of this, says Han to himself. His soldier's like, I need to keep proving. Han is a brute. He was. An oaf, which he was. And I'll prove to Leia, I will fight for her, duel anybody to have her hand. And while she's crying, like, ah, oh, but I've hurt Han's feelings. Or, oh, his soldier, it's just, he's done so much for me. And, like, you know, Tenennial's crying, like, I'll never find love. I actually have a specific quote about that. Some of the worst writing I've ever seen. Uh, I showed, Ooh. I read this to my wife. I, I think and, I know uh, what you're talking about, but let's let's share. No, I, I'm going to share it to you. This is a, a very, very specific example that, um, Oh, I write when I actually I had a little thing here going through this, I will say uh, for funny moments when she said, hey, uh, that old flirt, I put Daddy Yoda. So that, that's the little thing I had in there. <laughs> hey, that old flirt. Papa uh, Yoda. Papa Yoda. Anyways, let me I, I have so many notes. I got to make sure I had it. There it is. So my note was <laughs> I'll tell you after um, <laughs> Tenennial reached up under the blanket. So this context, before I read this, um, she was almost killed by a night sister in a duel. They're going past a prison that's like held pretty much controlled by um, all the night sisters. And they're kind of using that as their base to launch a ship from hopefully and have a force to actually fight the other like singing mountain tribe and others. Um, after Luke just decapitates this night, witch, like just takes out this night sister. Um, she almost like the life force on its annual gets pretty much drained. But I imagine force drain. If you've heard of it, that's also like, it's where they literally like lightning strikes you and drains your life force. She's dying. Uh, Luke heals her with force. Heal. Uh, by touching all the wounded parts of her body and they explicitly point out that the breast is touched important for the sentence um, Tenennial reached up under the blanket touched her breast where the Jedi had rested his fingers someday she thought <laughs> sorry <laughs> someday she thought someone will fill this emptiness inside me and I wrote Alexa play Black Parade <laughs> <laughs> that is the most eighth grade like yeah right like I've my god heard. i just the darkness complete without a man uh it's there's all the women are like in the this is i don't want to go to the ugly yet but that's just part of the writing it's just so poorly done because everyone has played like they're in high school it's almost like it's an au high school alternate universe where these people are just interacting for the first time uh, leia's like the student class president han's the punk kid in the back of soldiers the exchange uh, student uh like you know her twin brother in the class is like some kid that's really into the cult shit and it's yeah, just like right? like a fucking, stuff on his uh... desk Got like occult symbols uh, in his yeah. notebook. It's an annual, the girl from the class over, like a class beneath them who's like attractive Wistfully girl. staring. Yeah, she's the she's, athletic. By the way, she's like 20, right? She's yeah, a 20, 20 21. And everyone else is minimum 30. A soldier, I think, is around 25. I think, okay, so Luke but is. But hot, everybody else is. They're 30. Luke, Luke's only 23. Okay, so maybe I thought they were older at that point. So Han I know. Hot like was like 33, 30, yeah, something. Yeah, so, and and Leia, Leia, like, Leia, so Leia and Luke then, since they're 20, yeah, 20, 20, 23. Yeah. So I was trying to remember the ages, but even then, so they're actually closer than I even I thought. But I'm um, so for a soldier, well, I Han, 20, Han's, 
Han, not as much. He never has. But um, I know that a soldier then has to be in his mid-20s. The way he's described and where he's at, I have to assume. So not as far off as I thought, but again, a young cast. This is, again, like a young adult cast who is, uh, yeah, just having this weird, almost high school-like affection toward each other that's just really awkwardly written. Yeah. And uh, it just never feels like anybody, like you mentioned, until really that. No one ever talks about their feelings in a way that no. feels constructive. Unless they do, it's Han literally yelling at Leia, like, why don't you love me? I've done so much for you. Like, you, I, I deserve this. Like, we had so much. Why are you going with him now? And she goes, originally in the beginning, like, I did love you and I want I want to be with you. But now you're being irrational, not thinking about the. And she is very much focused on the Republic and the safety of more people, not thinking in the moment. Han, ever the romantic in his mind, is like, I'm thinking about us. She's like, well, I'm thinking about the Republic. And that's always been their butting of heads. You know, I, I love the Republic. Exactly. That's one big thing. When Han literally, when he abducts her, she's like, you are a general. You're showcasing the fact that you as were supporting the she's Republic. Like, yeah, I can forgive Han Solo the man, but not Han Solo uh, the general. Because he like, besmirched what he swore to protect. And he goes, Han's like, oh, no, I resigned. <laughs> so I'm no, I'm no longer the Republic. She's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, no, I know they wouldn't like that. So I just resigned and left. Yeah. Also, he like authorizes his last act as general before he gets reinstated at the end of the book. But just his last, yeah, he just like orders a military strike against Zinge, uh, because he wants to get to Dathomir. He's like, well, I got to open up a. And hole. Leia's like so grossly overused with this power. And she's like, you were throwing lies. He's like, no, I just, he's like, I told him to be safe. I only do skirmishing shots. No one's getting hurt here. And they immediately, a, a very enterprising operator, like this, like Intel operator in Zinj's like uh, line goes, oh no, they're, they're going, they're to, going Dathomir. to Dathomir. They're straight up. They're just distracting us. And that's why Zinj eventually shows up. Also, but. it's implied that guy's force sensitive, which is super weird. Don't worry about because I guess he's like, yeah, I met Vader when I was a kid, and yeah, and he touched like, his head. And Vader said, so, "I also head. noted that." And That's he's right. like, "Serve the Empire with your talents." Yeah, Vader said something he'd never say to a child. Like he just goes, "Like you got a bright future, kid. Don't blow it." And I was like, "What is this okay. scene?" It's during a parade. Uh, don't choke on your aspirations. Okay, moving on. So uh, there's, uh, yeah, and that's, again, I, I could go in more with other examples, but really, again, summing it up, just almost high school level of writing, yeah, mushy love, blushing. Nothing felt substantial until, again, that scene where they're looking up at the stars, um, Luke and Leia talking about, like, um, where she's standing, is she okay, uh, where is she, what happened yeah, to her. Like, to be fair, um, I don't think I could write a better romance, but I definitely feel like a, a normal human being understands a better romance. Yeah, and understands that if you already have a relationship built with somebody from a film, you don't have to abduct them. Uh, and if you're going to try to build a wedge in the relationship, if you felt that necessary with Leia, um, this is a way to pitch it for diplomatic reasons because she does look for the Republic, but not the way it was approached by any means. Like this, by on paper, could work if you really wanted to make it work. But then when you started writing it, Han tore it all to hell. Yeah, you know what? And I think, honestly, unless you had something really... Let's just get into the ugly because we've been dancing yeah. around it. Yeah. We've already talked a lot about it, but go ahead, launch into it. So, I have got a couple. I've got three major points from the ugly, but this is the the first one and the biggest one is the one that Kenny and I share. Han forcibly kidnaps Leia against her will to take her to Dathomir. Yeah, and it just is so like wild and like what the hell? Why would he yeah. even do that? And um, <sighs> here's the exact quote, just in case. Yeah, I was going to look know. it up if you didn't, so I had uh, it here. So, uh, Leia found herself shaking. Han strolled over to her dresser, and Leia saw he was looking at the polished black metal of the gun of command. That, again, being the hape's gift that you shoot someone with it, and you're like, yeah, by the way, that's can I gift. mind trick him? One of the 63 yeah. gifts given to her. Does it really work? He asked. He started to reach for it, and Leia, realizing what he had planned, shouted, Don't touch that. Han snatched the gun and spun, faster than she would have believed possible. Come with me to Dathomir. 
You can't do this, Leah pleaded, raising a hand to ward off the blast. I thought you loved rogues, Hans said, as a spray of blue barks erupted from the, uh, blue sparks, excuse me, erupted from the gun. Yeah, his excuse is that you love bad boys, right? Let me forcibly abduct you beyond your will while you watch the world play around you as you fade to black and end up in a cargo container locked in the Falcon without oxygen. I guess he didn't predict that much. But yeah, they, she points out she wakes up in this cargo container, or I should say one of the hidden cargo areas. Uh, if you remember, the uh, the Falcon has many hidden compartments, one of these. He gave her oxygen so she wouldn't die, but of course it wasn't working. So she starts begging to get free from the man who abducted And he just doesn't care. He doesn't give a shit. Yeah, like literally. Like, the only reason she gets out is Chewie hears her. And, and Chewie doesn't know. To so Chewie's credit, like, Chewie's also written well in this book because you don't write anything other than Chewie is pissed and a Wookiee. And he... Yeah. He opens it with three people. Three people goes, I, I hear something. And Chewie pretty much says, like, and uh, speaking to him, going like, I don't hear anything. He's like, hold on. And Chewie wrenches it open, finds the princess. And Chewie, it does distinctly say in the book, Chewie just goes, like, his, his face just, like, wipes, like, clean. As he just walks, just, just walks straight to Han. And you're like, oh, Han's about to get his arm torn off, which I don't know how he didn't. As three people goes over yeah. and goes, you abducted the princess, ambassador Han, for the Republic. Han does not get any comeuppance in this book at no. all. No, not even a little. Luke Other doesn't, than like, no one even really, like, Leia kind of lays into him a little bit, but even then he, like, she, he weirdly diffuses it, where he's like, well, I've destroyed the gun of command, I've locked the Nava computer, like, there's nothing you can do to make me take you back, and so she just kind of gives up, and she goes, okay, I guess you, like, yeah. And if you don't like me, I'll turn myself in after seven days, but you have, you are my prisoner for seven days. seven days. And Chewie, God love him, I mean, the maker love him, he does say, uh, he owes Han a life debt, as we know. He saved him from servitude and would die for Han and almost has many, many times. Eventually does later on, but different story. Uh, but he literally says, uh, and Shri Wook something, and like, everybody stops. And like C-3PO goes, um, you know, I would agree. I know at this point, I think Han or Leia says, like, maybe you should tear his damn arms off. I know this is hard for you to say that because you have a life debt, but he deserves it. And Han's like, do your worst, buddy. And he just doesn't. So I really thought yeah. that he was going to throttle him. Because there's and, multiple like, times in the, in the movies where he throttles Han. And, and doesn't, like do anything that scene i read about hans yeah. taking he said i should approach him he abducted my sister i know he did um he's done sort of false pretenses i should approach this but at the same time they're having a bad day let's just ask how he's doing that's and, his thought process yeah, yeah. and isildur is like i should do something and doesn't do anything he says i'm gonna kill him or duel him and hold up well the reason he doesn't is because the whole time we talked about this luke makes him his pet project of the light oh, is yeah, in you're you right. you're not a force user but remember only hate can control you if you really want to make actionable I'm change in this universe let random person Jedi lessons. No, he just says, if I if I can teach a man who has no force potential, I can teach anybody. And literally half the time, he's <laughs> like, I don't get this. You're talking to animals. I When they crash land on the planet, him and his soldier have to slip through the Imperial blockade. They crash land. And Luke, I just like a quick shot, a quick side bubble. The funniest visual in this entire book. A soldier looks over as Luke gets shot. His X-Wing gets shot or one he's using from the uh, Hapens uh, and starts, and, and I quote, slamming around the pod as his body's like kunk, 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 just like slamming and faking we find out faking his death but literally soldier looks over it sees his he's body like, oh rattling God, Luke's he's dead. Luke's he's dead. Dead. his body's rattling and then he goes he lands and after he's about to crash land luke uses the forest and gets him down he sees luke meditating he's like i saw your body rattling around he's like i was faking it like i faked it just as zinch thought also, i was dead i faked it keep in mind the imagery here of the way luke like comes down is like yoga style yeah, like, like arms like yeah, yeah like he's crossed out, coming down cross, cross. just like hmm. and this is the first time we really see him flex his force potential where he levitates also, both of them down safely 
anyone that gives shit to how stupid the Mary Poppins Leia thing is. Oh, has not read this book because this was. So I was going to mention the weird. That's, that's the weird. Yeah. So um, yeah, that happens. There's a floating ATSD later on. Um, but anyways, yeah, Luke does that shit. But I'm um, going back to it. His soldier says multiple times, I'm going to skid him. And I was like, yeah, you should. Because he Someone abducted should. the princess, literally assaulted her against her will and said, you have no choice. I mean, Han and Leia have the most awkward dinner scene in the Falcon three days in where he's like, oh, come on, baby. I've been cooking your dinner and I've been like slaving over all this work, alluding to what's coming up, saying I've been doing all this stuff for you. Why don't you love me yet? She's like, because you abducted me under false pretenses. And, and he's so like, yeah, but it's been four days and you're still like angry about it. It's like, yeah. Immature and like, broken in the head that you believe that you can get what you want by abducting somebody and forcing them because I'm now, you want Stockholm Syndrome said it. That's what he yeah. wants. Yep. And that's the only reason Leia, I think, marries him at the end is literally just intense yeah. Stockholm Syndrome because it is, yeah. it's what is it? The, um, She's like, uh, oh, wow, you're willing to go blow yourself up to, like, take out the Night Sisters? I guess that's I hot. was going to get then- that. So the ugly, that the only reason they get together, the crux of it, is, like, even all the way up to the end, eventually just becomes, like, a soldier him splashing each other with water, bumping rancors into each other. Yeah, I have like, my weird. Yeah, I, we'll get to that. But this is, like, I, they're bonded by trauma again. She finds out she only loves Han when he's in a combat scenario and willing to sacrifice his life in a very noble way. The only time she likes him is in combat. She doesn't say, because as a normal person, Han sucks in this. Uh, very selfish, always envious, looks at everybody as a, a potential suitor and believes that everybody hates him. His imposter syndrome is something fierce, but even taken beyond that point that he is just i'll never be good enough so i have to prove it in a condensed shell but when i'm in combat she goes like oh i forgot that only when he is fighting or at least again shared traumas when i like him when we're actually about to die and he does something to save me which is not a healthy relationship a line where she's like i never realized the depth of how much he's willing to die for me and you're like wow Okay, bodyguard, baby, but a lover. Not I mean, the it foundation shows. for your marriage. And like, this book again, as we see, like it conjectures the idea that Han, outside of war, is yeah. not a good person. Which and ties it, it ties into my second ugly point, which is Han's entire characterization in this book is just bad. Just yeah. It's not the homie song six. Who's actually like somebody who's accepted that he can be a hero is more than willing to come back. We saw that in four cares about his friends. We'll go back for them. He's kind of a goofball in six. Like he's more of like a, a funnier dude. That's like, kind of like, Hey, I know that uh, my soul you like someday is uh, not only more competent. She's the one who does all the diplomatic and talking, but I'm still a compassionate man who starts. And one of the mature things for him is talking about his feelings. That's a big thing that comes out after five is like, I'm willing to let this icy shell will melt. And I'll show you the soft smuggler within this one. He goes back just being a dick, <laughs> like yeah, a big, a- it's it's literally what I hated about Seven, where they were like, yeah, let's just default Han back to, like to being four. like he was at the very beginning of Four. Uh, yeah, a rogue. Because so that's what like people like, a right? It's like, like a, a the pirate Han. Yeah. Um, and it's like, yeah, but like you're just ignoring all the growth that happened in yeah. two films. A man who's not willing, and again, it's like he's not willing again to talk about how he feels. And in doing so, just blames Leia that she's not seeing his side uh, as being irrational. And multiple times says, um, this is why I never liked you, princess, or like things I didn't like about you because you're always too critical on people. Uh, again, for like, people who were literally willing to abduct and uh, take you away from like, and one big thing too. Is ignoring the fact that um, she was obviously laid off duty from her diplomatic duties to go help with a literal war that's about to break out from a genocidal race. Anything could have come up in that time. And even with Hape in space, like, who would have Zinch attacked? There were so many things that could have happened, and Han could only think of himself and uh, pulling Leia into his weird web of bullshit. <laughs> it's, it's conceded to a level that's almost impossible to believe. Uh, I'll go into his wonderful world, Dathomir, uh, which, again, yeah. a, a, a 
paradise as we've seen but apparently yeah, again that again share trouble brought them together it really is the fact that she's like under traumatic circumstances he's the one who rise the occasion that's why i love him but he sold her offered the same things he did every step of the way but meant in earnest i'll go there's a satellite array that goes up later on that actually blocks out the sun he's like i'll knock uh, it out no i, I, I haven't mentioned that just because it's so unnecessary it's it just is. No, it's so much shit th- in this book that happens it just they doesn't. had to raise the stakes to a level that didn't make sense just to make luke's vision make sense of the world will fall to darkness not that it's a metaphoric like he said me dying which is what happened but whatever um but yeah i mean there's multiple times where his soldier offered the same thing it's just that han she already knew him and because yeah. because at no point does han ever dave i guess did not feel as though their shared history was something that could possibly ever be a, a counterpoint to isildur's like wealth and like good looks that's what you everything. assume would happen any normal writer that's that's what you have to lean on if you're han in this scenario is like hey we have been through a lot of stuff together and that counts for something at the end of the day but at no point does han ever think that that like is is something he should bring up he 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 thinks it there's a point where that dinner the awkward dinner scene is like i remember eating in a foxhole with her just a year ago fighting against the remnant and we were still laughing and having a good time there but here we are now like then say that han (laughs) then say that if that happened just a year or two ago i don't it's bad yeah um all Again, right. you're right. It comes to it that no one ever talks about yeah. how they feel. Yeah, Except no for Luke. Luke does actually say, you don't know, do that. I'll, 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 I'll give this to... Uh, Any soldier, I guess. Teniel or Teniel? Uh Teniel, yeah. She tells exactly how she feels. She does. She's very she does not about how she feels. Yeah, um, you are my manservant. <laughs> you're uh, you're going to come tell me. Uh, we need to make a... She literally says to Luke... We Boy should killer. breed because we'll have strong babies because <laughs> you are a male witch. We've been told these male witches are Jai, as they're called, are very powerful. Which will lead me into my third and final points. Content warning for everyone. Uh, this is where we're going to really get into the eugenics and the sexual assaults and stuff. So if that's not your thing, I'm going to say skip ahead about 10 minutes. We'll try and keep it in that time frame. So uh, we'll let you filter out here. Give you a couple seconds. All right, so the two societies in this book that we learn about that are new, both Hapes and the, yeah, Witch the Witches of Dathomir, yeah, are built upon at least for well, they're both built upon sexual assault, but at least for Hapes, it is a systematic like sexual assault eugenics program. It is. Because we find out pretty early on that hapes came into being because initially the cluster was occupied by pirates who would, you know, pillage star lanes and abduct the most attractive women they could find, take them back to uh the like the star cluster, the like star the, the cluster. area they held, yeah. You know, sexual assault would happen they would end up having children and then those children would basically go out and do the exact same thing. They abduct the men, the boys take them in and then bring them back to keep making more uh, Raider stock. And the women were just cattle to them. Yes. Uh, and they would, they would only take the most like attractive and like yes. intelligent, and which it should be noted to like breed good traits was their idea. Literal eugenics. Yeah, and to prove this point, uh, they never me- stopped mentioning how beautiful Hapens are. Every one of them, yes. even the guards, Every everybody are Amazonian. One. They say so beautiful. The queen, down to the uh, lowest yeah. commoner, everyone from yeah. the star cluster is the most attractive person ever because yeah. it's it pretty much comes literal in, eugenics. They're just the hottest people in Star Wars because they've been, yeah, breeding. And they, this comes up in a scene that I had a lot of 
I struggled with because uh, Luke partakes in this. I'll, I'll get into it now because it fits with the ugly. Um, Isolder is ta- arguing with Leia. This is one of the pivoting points where she starts being like, oh, maybe the man who's been so kind to me has some weird views where he goes, well, literally, um, science and society dictates we should be together because we're both attractive and most importantly we both come from royal families uh, and that old primogeniture divine right if you will we need to find a noble family that ties together and we are literally bred to lead is like you have inherent traits you're bored with and that means that other people is like, she's like well what about other folks like i disagree like what about like business folks or yeah, others she, like she brings up like lead. there are competent businessmen in hapes and she's and he's, he's like, like yes they're, they're good at leading businesses but, but not they, people yeah but I care about my people because I'm made tra- – not even saying trained because he says I am bred and made to do this. And like Luke and I – there's a conjecture from Leia saying, well, people learned that. It's not just all nature. There is nurture. You are grown to be something. Anybody can be a good leader. I mean look at any of us. There's a farm boy here. As Luke goes, no, no, no. He's got a point. Some animals are bred for certain stock and certain traits, so humans and other like sentient creatures aren't so different. And Leia literally goes, Luke, what are you saying? She's like, are you going at an angle? He's like, no, I actually kind of see where he's coming from. And the scene just ends. Like, Luke just agrees. Yeah. Eugenics are kind of tight. Uh, yeah, and he's Luke's like, I, I don't have like, a problem with that. You know, not to play devil's advocate here. But he's like, yeah, but if animals do it, yeah. not to say the same. And that's Tenennial's argument of why she wants to be with Luke, saying uh, a Jai or these Luke, ancient uh, sorcerers, these male sorcerers, are so powerful that the Jedi Academy, this ship landed here a long time ago. And you actually, Luke has a moment where he looks in here, sees training rooms, Yoda mentioned it. Like the Jedi had a war. They even mentioned they fought and had a... Uh, a conclusion with that they left the night sisters eventually, or I should say the witches. Um, but they talk about how like it was fated that another male Jedi would come in here. So like, if we were to mate, we'd have the most powerful children. Like we could make the most powerful stock and become a ruling family. Like that's the idea of why she wanted him, not for his attractiveness. She clearly points out a soldier's hot, but he's magic. And like that's why I want this Luke guy. It's, it's kind of uh, like a statement on authoritarianism because yeah. it's Ever, he's. I don't know if it's the author projecting here or if it is just he felt that the characters would feel this way. But like, it's kind of just saying, yeah, democracy's kind of dumb. Like, we we need to have empower people who have been like trained and bred from birth to be leaders versus you know the will the will of the people doesn't matter. It's literally it's that whole life. argument of like you know we we care not for the masses. Yeah, I mean, it's the Hobbesian rule, the Leviathan, yes. the one person that's strong. It is and very the, that comes to a point where um, he says uh, the Queen Mother um, literally has the argument and they talk about it. It's like, well, she was a necessary evil during the Empire because before then we need the strong warrior queen who could unite us, fend off pirates from the border, fight the Empire long enough to make an agreement where we both were together. And even mentions leading to like genocide some Jedi because she hates them. So she talked about like we needed somebody who's strong enough to do this because otherwise we would have fallen apart. And that's the Queen's idea saying, uh, Leia, I never would have let you marry her. That's why she, that Sassanese I mentioned, set it up because she's like, she's a pacifist. Without a warrior, somebody's hard enough, that authoritarian fist, we will crumble and fall. We need somebody who's willing to put our people in line and our enemies at arm's reach. Like, it's, we need that. It's very like uh, Machiavellian, very like it the is. prince. You know, Absolutely it's it is. it's like there's a point where she says she hates, she's killed. So before this, Isildur had a, 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 a was betrothed to a, a noble woman yep. who was a pacifist and the mother had her killed because she's like, get that idealistic bullshit out of here. Like, you know, it's yeah. And that's why she's on... trying to kill Leia too. Yeah. That's the assassination like, attempt. Yeah, yeah, idealism that... has, has no place in politics, which are like, personally, I know at, on some level is probably true, but it sucks. Doesn't mean I have to like it. Yeah, and honestly, and that's the biggest thing in this like book two is talking about and a lot of Star Wars is uh well the war is what tears people apart. And it's like the idea that like being a diplomat, it's like, no, I mean there's the argument Leia's having, like, no, we need level-headed people like uh, what we're doing here. 
in Alderaan or Alderaan originally is because uh, if we just have warmongers like you, we see where that takes us. Uh, but the interesting angle of this part of the ugly that I'm going to kind of go on with this is that both these societies are matriarchal. So he actually mm-hmm. takes the idea that these women in charge are authoritarian, taking slaves, and their response to how, you know, patriarchal or male dominated rule, this is their response to it, and has that take of saying like, well, when these women in charge, at least these two examples show that they are just as bad as men would make just as bad decisions or just as terrible uh, because of what, I mean, obviously with Hapes talking about like the sexual assault for the pirates, you could see how people would be pretty pissed, uh, but to see how that would take, I think he said over like 4,000 years of building up and keeping that model uh, shows that this evil was very well set and never had, was never going anywhere. And there's really no social shaking that could have happened. It was very static for 4,000 years. And same with the night sisters for thousands of years. So his take on that was just weird to me from the start. It's like both matriarchal societies are seen as inherently evil. I'm not sure what he's trying to say. I'm I'm not the type of person to necessarily, I'm not well informed enough to have like a, an author literary criticism of this book, but I, I don't know what he is trying to say here about like, what is he trying to say? Like, well, the matriarchy, blah, 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 is just as bad as the patriarchy. Like, what the hell? There's evil on both sides or whatever. And that's why I'm not trying to yeah, dive into it either. I just thought it should be pointed out that both of these new it's societies are matriarchal and both have these very, very deep-seated horrifying it, it, Yeah, it, it comes off, like, as just misogynistic. Like, he's, yeah. he's you know... Women are just yeah. as bad as men, or, like, if they were in this place, they'd run it to hell like this. I don't know what he's going at. I couldn't tell you. That's just how it's pitched in the book. That's exactly how it's presented. Both are terrible. But we see that the Singing Mountain tribe, when they leave them, allies and friends still enslaving men. That's never yeah, brought up. That, that doesn't change. Like, Luke and other people, and there is a quote from, uh, I think it was Isolder, saying, like, it's weird, but um, I know Luke was like, I can't always judge people by their, uh, he says, like, we can't judge people for, like, their strange habits or even, like, things we see as different. Like, they're not so different from your world and hapes. Like, you can see that these men are still kept and bred and have really no way of going through society. They almost have a same enslave it if you will so who are you to judge so instead of saying let's fix this he just points the lens at him and his soldier's like i'm gonna quietly contemplate this so yeah they never I mean, fix any of the problem they just say that nope. they're there time to leave yeah and that's what they said they're friends of ours and actually Ogwin, the uh, uh the grandmother the leader of the singing mountain tribe is a character that saves their lives cares for them and fends for them but the only reason han and the men are allowed to be safe is because he's soldier uh Tenenial comes in and takes him as her slave and says like if anybody else does like i'll fight for him and keep him safe uh in her mind and then like uh leia makes the argument that han and luke saved her once that's the only time a man can be given freedom is through saving or being vouched over by a sister which she's taken in as one of the witches so so this ties into one of my weird points, I think, to do yeah, so transition. With the ugly, I think it's pretty uh, much I, that's all I had. I don't know if you had anything else. Yeah, I was thinking, like, going through the list, it was really, yeah, the abduction. That, those yeah, are the big the ones for me. Yeah, I think we're, I think we're pretty good. Because <laughs> so, that's the biggest ones. Uh, listeners, for those who listened to Mark here, um, we are back. If you're scrolling ahead, we're going to give a moment. The talking about the sexual assault and the everything morning we had with all that, the weird shit this book gets into is now done. We're going to the weird, which is, um, well, just that, so... Without further ado, Kyle. I'm still going to be talking about something of a sexual manner, just maybe not as heavy of a topic. Is this the Han quote or something different? So <laughs> I felt, again, not to project on old old Dave here. Was it just me? Or did you notice a, a, a startling amount of just like horniness in this book? And, and just like, oh, there like there's a lot of like descriptions of just, you know, them looking at each other with lust. Also, the word huskily. Yeah, Huskily comes up a lot. Yeah, especially with Han, he goes like, oh, I don't know what you mean. As he's yeah, like trying he's to like, like cover whatever the hell's going on. And I mean, I that goes into term to see like what 
the it's word supposed to be like, is outside of that, but in like, innately, like what sexually charged manner where you're kind of like, I'm trying to lower my voice because I'm trying to sound more attractive. Yeah. So it's like a horse or rough in quality, you know, yeah, voice it's supposed emotion. to be hot because usually when you're, you know, it's kind of the bedroom voice, if you will. That's what he at least what he's trying to push hard in here. Um, and that's like, one of the things I was mentioning with yeah. Nettie. When she's waking up after being healed, it's like, where the Jedi touched my boob, uh, where that's a big thing, because she was bruised there. We know that she was hit there, and that's why it looks like, I gotta heal her everywhere. So he, like, touches all over, and, like, heals her boob, and she's like, oh, he touched my brain. You know, there's a line Isolder has when she's, like, changing in front of him. Oh, doing the bathing segment where she's just and, talking to him? And yeah. he's like, though he realized he wasn't very attracted to her, he would dream of her tonight. And it was just yeah, like, yeah, okay. And he, he literally says, her muscles aren't that of a bodybuilder, like many on hate. He's like, do you climb? And she's like, yeah, I climb. He's like, it shows. As he's like, look at the muscles <laughs> on her shows. back. Nice, nice traps. Like, that's hot, yeah. Nice and, like, and that's like half the book two is talking about, I'm looking at, I mean, it doesn't quite go into full detail of always looking at breasts, but there is a lot of mention of breasts or the shape of their bodies. But I will say to this book's credit, it does uh, talk a lot about the men and how they look to some of the women, of course, like not quite looking at anything else. Well, but uh, yeah. they do talk about each soldier. I should really say what it comes down to. The credit it's is it just comes to a soldier being hot. So at least they do focus on one a bit, but it, it doesn't really go past his musculature, past the first reveal. It's just the face later on. Also, I just, I just got like a weird vibe that there was there was just a lot of like femdom just a lot of female domination oh. going on in this book and that's i mean because of the way the society's like said like half the time they were like they were doing cat calls to obviously soldier that happened a lot when it came there's through point, like, like there's the, a point where the they, old woman like comes up and just starts slapping him on the ass and yeah, he's like yeah. what the hell and he said, she's I like, there's a pressure in my ass Someone grab yeah, she says the merchandise. And then when they're all leaving, like when um Tenennial's taking him away to talk to him privately, all the women are like, Whoa, whoa, like cheering him on. Like I, I say go, like, go I, do I it. I guess like he really I don't know. Maybe he was like, you know, like there's definitely something to be say about like obviously the struggles, you know, women face in everyday life, oh, obviously. Absolutely. This is uh, a a mere flipped on itself looking at that. So. so I just like really got the vibe of I think I think Dave just really wants people to step on him. I, I'm sorry. I, no, I, I think it's true. I think Dave loves a strong female lead who would, uh, as they point out, use that that those those ropes, those uh, you know. No, she uh, climbs. Yeah, she climbs. You want someone to climb? You can uh, tie some knots. You know, I mean, like, and Dave, that's fine. Dave, whatever you're into, bud, lean into it. Uh, but we were definitely we our, got to read some introduction to to uh to Tenniel Tenniel. Daniel. I keep saying it wrong. Daniel. And I honestly say what's in your heart. It's <laughs> um, to speak from the heart. Uh, is where she's fighting Luke. And he's Box like. Box him with a club. Yeah. Well, at first he's like, ow, what the hell? And then he's like, hi, I'm Luke. Who are you? And she just looks at him with lust. And I was like, oh, this is going to be something. Yeah, she used the Force Storm to first, like, put some dust in his face, and then bonks into the club, and it's very much a classic drags away to her cave. Like, that's what she's trying to do, yeah, find them. this whole and thing. Then, uh, and the whole time, she's like, no, you're my slaves. Like, I can actually get some good money for one of you, and the other one, I'll sell the hot one and keep you, because you're a magic man. And then he just uses the saber to cut out, and she goes, like, you could have broken out any time, and starts, like, shaking in, like, my worldview. And that's, Luke talks to yeah, her enough her, to say, her like, whole character is, I'm really lonely, I'm really sad, I want a husband. I want a husband. That, she said, even at the end of the book, I just want a husband. But at least in terms of reviews change, in terms of ownership and slavery and the respect that she finds love and he sold her and becomes a, f a queen the queen of hapes uh queen apparent but will become that uh, where she they both realize at the end when he's about to leave literally grabbing a dish to get the falcon off when everything's going to hell uh and she looks at him and goes like wait before you leave like will you not turn and say goodbye will you not think of me when you leave to the stars and like look back here and he goes like i can just leave and say nothing but instead like kind of turns and says you know what 
He looks there and says, I, even though the biggest point beforehand outside of them laying under the stars was, I don't find her attractive, but I'll dream of her tonight. He goes, I never seen a more beautiful woman in my life. Her pillowy lips brought me in. I want nothing more to the press. Yeah, he's like, feel the electricity of her body. She's like reading his mind the whole time. And she's like, do it. Fucking kiss. And there's a moment where he goes like, can you read my mind? She doesn't respond. She just comes up and they kiss. And he's like, electric. And that's like the moment where just at the end, they're like, I guess they're in love now. Like before it was never really established. There's also the point where uh, fucking he's like, you're ruining my life, Lisa. I wrote that. I wrote like, down the like, you're tearing me apart, Lisa. Because <laughs> he goes, she's like, he literally says, if we do this, it goes against everything like we're about. Like, uh, you're not royalty. I'll be uh, chastised, hunted down. My mother will kill me. And that's what he's like, you're ruining. He literally says, like, you're ruining my life. And I, I wrote the it's same like, thing. like, I would, I would never want anything more. And he's like, God, that's so hot. Yeah, the fact that she literally says, I don't give a shit about what your mom thinks. He goes like, kiss me. Say that again. Hey, climb on me. Also, the deeply seated mother issues he has, but that's just, we've already talked. You can get a feel for everything that's happening here. Um, so anytime, the second she's like, I'll kill your mom, which happens at the end of the book. He's like, like, hell yeah, kiss me right that's now. Hot. Kill her. So, uh, yeah, that. And you're right, it's, it's a very horny book. And again, the blushing we talked about, um, even Luke would like, Han was like, you know, I never, no, I think it was Leia. I was like, I never really thought who Luke would find or if he'd find anybody attractive, but him and that Tenennial, uh, a force user, they keep talking in the background, whispering and giggling on the rancors. We're all walking around. Like how wacky did he find, find somebody who's like him? No, he didn't. He found the force and she went with the soldier. <laughs> yeah. So he like, he even admits multiple times. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm into her. She's very, I'm attracted to her. Yeah, I, I like her. Like. And then he's like, but I'm, I didn't come. I think his literal thing is like, I didn't come here looking for a wife. I came here looking for the force. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which that also ties the weird when he talked about it is him looking for the force led to perky Yoda and uh, the flirt Yoda, which honestly, that was just Dave trying to make a joke. Like Dave was just like, wouldn't it be yeah, funny Dave, if our Dave, wise he a little crazy man, Frank Oz, he's a, he's an approachable guy. He may have won all these sci-fi awards and mentored Stephanie Meyer, uh, which as you can now tell, we want, we realize why he mentored Stephanie oh, yeah. Meyer. She, she does. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, he's, he's just an approachable guy. He's down to earth. I just like some jokes. Just would have like, loved one flirty joke where they're like, Hey, are you master Yoda? Be like wearing his robes? I am. Hopefully I'm him. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. I, and the, that's what I love. Yoda only has a very small part in this, but it, it's a big, impact, big splash. So definitely big a weird splash. one. Yeah. You know, splash. small body, big splash. Which um, speaking of splashes, I, the rancor. Oh, you, you take it away. I was thinking, we talked about this. There's a scene where literally it, it turns into juvenile antics, where instead it's of like to half a chapter. Yes, where they they ride the rancors, and we talked about one of the weird things. I would say it's cool to kind of like personalize them, but also really weird that the rancors have an oral history, intelligent creatures, taught technology, so have spears and halberds they fight with, um, and they trade uh, with the uh, you know the actual like singing mountain witches by saying like, hey, we'll we'll be mounts and carry stuff for you, and you can ride whatever. We'll go places and defend you. Um, but there's a scene where they're swimming around in like um, this lake trying to get across it to get to where this prison complex is. So they can get parts for the ship uh, for the Falcon. And uh, it's soldier and him are still just bickering. Cause there's a point where oh, I'm just going to go into it to get the mounts. Han is trying to get up next to Leia and um, to get distracted. Um, he's about to go up there uh, when he's like, I want to get up there first. Like I want to sit next to Leia. And I Luke's like, I don't know. I should sit next to her. Like I, I haven't talked to her in a while. I really want to catch up. And I Han's like, I know Tenennial makes you nervous. She's hot. You should sit next to her. Oh, sorry, Huskily. He's like, you should sit next to her. And um, he's like, I don't know about that. And he says, and I quote, you should get up there. He's like, honestly, if I were you, I get up there and say, ask her to ride my rancor. And I was like, 
Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> I was like, hot! And, and he goes, you know what? Maybe I should do that. And like, Blaze, like, are you trying to make me jealous? He's like, is it working? She's like, no. And he's like, well, then maybe I'll get somebody in the rebound waiting for you to come back to me. And I was like, yeah, you abducted her, brought her here, and trying to force her to love you. And now like, you're saying, are we I'm the victim. over the Raincor comment? I mean, that's that's a solo here. Uh, yeah. If I've ever heard one, because yeah. like, man, ride, like, I want rain. her to ride my raincourt. And he thought that was the funniest thing. If this is a film, he would be laughing and everyone else was horrified. Like, Leia's like, what the hell? And Luke and was like, like, you know what? Maybe she could ride my raincourt. And then no. he rides with her. Yeah. And they get on the raincourt. And, and, and they, he, Luke he was like, ah, yes, I could ride the raincourt. And they never stop talking and laughing the whole time. Like they, they just, they just have back and forth. Todd and Isildur try to kill each other where like, he like drops a folder on him and then Isildur like takes a branch and it's like literally like from a movie where he like it, pulls the branch and it <laughs> lets it go and it smacks Han in the face. And it's amazing because uh, earlier um they, uh, they were so incensed that Han calls um, or describes Isildur as a, a slime bill. He calls him slime. Yeah, and and Isildur finds out about it. And what? And he slaps him in the face and goes, sorry, be careful Solo. Looks like a lot of slime can be dangerous around here and i was like what is this writing uh and at one point um Tenennial dumps water on both of them because they're being children and like leia's like thank you thank you and luke's like loses he's laughing like very hard even like r2 they point at chewy and everyone laughs they're getting doused it's weird it's just weird, it weird. like you know it's like the weirdest part about it is as as weird and out of place as that sequence is it was actually one of the more well-written sequences in that I could visualize exactly the gags he was doing. I don't know why they, it was happening. I don't know why it was there. They, it was like a rom-com. Instead of having them try to kill each other, they made it a rom-com. You're right. They just made it so they're going to have like this like almost like a sibling-like back and forth of just like setting up traps, hitting each other, saying we both love this girl, and I'm going to just out-prank you to it. Not kill you, just embarrass just, you. You know, just a little prank. Drop, a little, well, drops a rock Han almost does kill Isildur, but then yeah, he hey, snacks with him. It's the Rancor. It's fine. <laughs> if we're talking about the rocks, but um, yeah, there was that, and uh, yeah, that, that was one of the weird things for me. So back to you. The, the Zinj plotline just like stops. Yeah, he just dies. <laughs> he, just he shows up saying, if Solo's here, bring it to me personally, but instead has uh, Mar Mar Barovin, like the uh, general who has the metallic claws. Yeah. And um, like, it is literally just he, like- He uh, did not it. retract his Logans. No, his Logans were fully out. His Logans were his, Who's like just like, torturing Han, like digging his, like he has these like little metallic claws that they point out embedded inside of his fingernails. And they say that it's a painful procedure. Um, and you're always scratching yourself. This guy has scratched all over his face showing that as he literally is like digging on, hitting nerve clusters, like is a man who relishes in torture. And he like Zinj sends him down to uh, exchange a ship for the Night Sisters. They can ex go out, whatever, do what they want. They finally get Solo and Zinj can finally get revenge because... Solo says there's a reason he may want to get revenge on me other than me and, you know, the rogue squadron that like, kicking his ass. And he's like, or the X-Wings. And he's like, why is that? And he's like, oh, last time I last time I beat him, I told him to kiss my Wookiee. Kiss my Wookiee. Yep. <laughs> and and Solo's like, you said what to the most dangerous warlord in the galaxy? Yeah, what was that? like, uh, kiss my Wookiee. I thought it was pretty funny at the time. <laughs> and uh, then when he goes and kills him because it just happens, uh, he tells him to kiss his Wookiee again. <laughs> And Dave thought that was so clever. I'm going to say Dave, Dave loved really that. Dave was like, you know what? I can't swear in this book. Can't say kiss my ass. So he's going to have to kiss Chewie over here. I write stuff for kids. 
So yeah. and the yeah, best part is, like, I'm, I'm going to go write Star Wars missions now. I'm going to write eight of them. So I need to make sure it's I'm in the right book. mindset to not talk about, you know, cursing. And the best part is, when he tells the story the first time, Chewie loses his shit. Like, he thinks it's the funniest thing. He's like, yeah, he did say that. Like, Chewie's, like, laughing and pointing as they're like, wow, Chewie really dig that comment. <laughs> and, like, we yeah, did it again. Like, Chewie was like, he's yeah, like, I'm that Wookiee. That's me! And, like, that's, and Zinj, like, imagine just being Zinj. He says, red the face, battles happening around him. Hape and battle cruises are just firing, destroying. He's in his Super Star Destroyer. He looks up as Han hails him on a red line. And he goes like, what is this? Who's calling me? And he just, all you hear is his, hey, it's uh, General Solo here. Solo here. Kiss my Wookiee. And then just <laughs> torpedoes his ass into oblivion. And then the ship gets torn apart by Hapen like dragons. And it's just, I should say, you and know, that's, it. That's, that's the end of, of that. Yeah, Zinja's one of arc. Villain, powerful villains. They're set up again. The remnant set up the stage really for um, like, again Thrawn to come in. Snoke dying was was nah. abrupt. Kiss my Wookie. Kiss my Wookie. That's how he died. That Only was the Kylo twilight Red of his. Had said, "Kiss my Wookie." So I'll leave the shroud to you. The only other thing I had that was really weird in this book, and it was also rectified, but really weird, is talking about Han's lineage, um, the Solo and Sul oh, lineage, yeah. uh, the King of Corellia. As we find out, allegedly, one of his ancestors is a great, great, great grandfather. Um, so or great grandfather. Um, uh, allegedly was the last true heir to the Corellian throne before they pitched. Maybe we should be democratic and stop that rulership and to get this feudalism out of our space, and they did. And then they changed the last name to Sewell, S-U-U-L, as it became a notorious pirates, hence why they fell out of favor until eventually he became the first solo since that line, Han, to reclaim his old family name. And 3 is trying to find this to give a reason as to why he should marry and Leia. And he's like, the king of Corellia. The king. He sings a song about it that gets stuck in Leia's head and she gets mad. Like, oh, yeah, that comes up a, I can find too. a song, but I just don't want to. But it's about like, Han, such a cool guy. Kiss him on the lips. He's a king. Kiss him on the lips. And like, Leia's like, why is this stuck in my head? <laughs> like, like, I. it's so catchy. She keeps going like, it's just, I can't stop thinking about the song. Not just Han, but the song. And then they find at the end that I mentioned so earlier. So actually what we're finding out, it's not just Stockholm Syndrome. It's also like what hypnotism. Yeah, it's hypnotism. Stockholm, I mean, it's top 40s list, but Han's on it. So he's just hearing the same yeah, song. Just Han. Top four, it's it's just fucking solo, but it a is. better song. Oh, here. Um, it is, wow. Han, speaking of bops, though. Um, and then I told you that last scenes where it culminates were literally just to make sure that no fan leaves thinking that Han's an actual king because they keep making that joke. Um, he goes, I looked up the wrong records. Master Luke, you have to understand this wedding has to be called off. We found out that he was a pretender to the throne. He was never royalty. And he's like, closet. And then throws him in the closet, <laughs> closet. and lets him get married anyways. See so the world time. still believes he's a king. Uh, 3PO, because when they revealed this, it was a live public moment where all the Ram was saying, we're about to like swear pretty much lay his hand over to his soldier um, earlier on during a teleconference. And Leia also has a really weird thought here saying the assassination plot happened um, like a day before. And she's like, well, if another assassination happens, at least I'll have to fire through all of these droids first to get to me. Like, it's a real thought she has, these media droids. And I was like, yeah. And oh, and there's that thing where they like shame him for being droid racist, where they're like, what, you don't want a droid to talk? And he's like, oh, I don't have any issues with droids. (laughs) That was really strange. Yeah, this Alderani, uh, pretty much like ambassador that's been working with her the whole time in a repulsor lift um, uh, is, yeah, like, uh, he's like, like, literally Leia's like, this will be the end of his career, as he won't let C-3PO take the stand until he's I was lying. I love droids. Yeah, it's like I love droids, and all the all the droids in the audience are like, "Woo, we're droids." Yeah, it's God, it's weird. Um, so that was mine. But you had uh, please talk about this night veil thing. The 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 what now? Uh, the the ignite the shadow veil that they put around. Oh the right, I, I don't even really want to get super into this, but like at some point they decide, to, I guess, to make the stakes higher. There's this like blanket of satellites that get set up over the planet that basically blot out the sun and zinge uh, invader zim is like 
yeah, I'm gonna turn this planet into eternal winter. Fuck you. And everyone's like, wow, dude, that really sucks. Uh, could you not do that? And he's like, no. And also he's like, this is also a really fragile, like, super weapon because you just destroy one satellite and, like, the whole thing fucking shuts off. So don't do that. Yeah. Uh, and everyone's like, well, we should totally go do that. He's like, no, just don't, just don't do it. Just don't yeah, so do like, it. I'll die for it. And they're like, bro, and he's like, I'll, I'll die right now. Just you, you don't, don't even ask. I'll go up. And they're like, a soldier, wait, we'll let the planet freeze for a bit. We have a plan. Yeah, they're wait like, don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll like put this in a, we'll, we'll totally fuck up the ecology of the planet, which I guess really quick, tying into the ecology of the planet, you want to talk about the, the spirit bomb? That was the last thing I was going to talk about. That is the weirdest shit I have ever read in a Star Wars novel. Uh, so you, that's a great, that's all I really need to give time for the night shroud or shroud yeah. is really just put there to, because Luke had a vision that the world would be sunk to darkness. And the idea is like, maybe that means my own death, which is what all of us would have thought. But it's like, no, they actually did a very literal one because like Dave was like, no, we actually need a real darkness. There's really threaten the people here outside of night sisters, this weird relationship happening, a war that's raging. And of course, like uh, the fleet, existing in general so what they go into is what i described as spirit bomb bullshit again if you're familiar with dragon ball z if you remember uh goku would be like give me your strength and everyone would lift up their yeah, hands give me your, your energy. life energy and they would help him make the spirit bomb you know it's like, like hell yeah same thing happens where uh, luke jumps down and gets zaria we didn't mention her name but she is like the um the lead of the night which is this terrifically powerful sorceress the yeah, one who can literally the invincible force for yeah she is yeah, gets jacket is like she's also tied to the family with like um uh Tenennial and others like she's like her her aunt I believe like they're all related um and that's why she's like I don't want to hurt them because they're also related to us but also I want to kill them because it feels good and it looks like no um but anyways <laughs> that's the dark side um but Gitzarian fights that's him the one dark on one. side Garth and she uh, we've already seen that she can literally scry across the land show her face mummy style and massive force storms create force storms mass control hundreds of people and she's literally is able cool. to like force drain kill anybody in an instant and she does this to luke they get into a fight and literally she just starts bursting blood she gives him aneurysms she just gives him force aneurysm it has multiple blood vessels burst in his head and he goes like oh i'm dying and if your blood vessels burst in your head you usually die and he says it felt like hammer sitting his head like she gave him an aneurysm i was like oh how does luke get out of this i was thinking in my head like oh he's gonna like persevere use like force protect and actually repel her no he just dies like he hits the ground he goes time to go to sleep and that's when leia's like i can't hear him anymore i'm sad and um he we go to him and I, viewers, listeners, I actually kind of want to read the section because a lizard <laughs> talks to Luke and I just, a salamander, and I think you need to know about what happens. Um, let me, let me see if I can, while I go through this, give me your thoughts on this while I try to find this page. Yeah. So I, this part just kind of was there for me. I was like, I was like, how does Luke get out of this? And then I did not expect them to be like, yeah, he just kind of all of the planet goes, you must live. And he's like, fuck, you're right. And then just gets up. Basically, they're just like, Luke, stop being a piece of shit and he's like god you're right they and i quote i wrote fucking spirit bomb bullshit as uh, he lays there and as, as kyle pointed out literally they and there's an old quote that Tenennial said if a male jedi a male sorceress to come here nature favors them they will never let them die so the only preceding thing dave want to make sure this didn't come out of totally nowhere he said that if they are to go nature will provide quote the salamander raised its head above the soil, and it glowed with luminous force. Hello, my little friend, Luke thought. The salamander had green skin and fierce little black eyes. My little green friend. My little is his little green friend. It opened its mouth, and a white mist came out, stroked Luke as if it were a finger. And Luke understood that he was seeing force, not just feeling it. A gift, the lizard whispered. This is a gift for you. 
and the gentle light stole over him, reinforcing Luke's waning force. Above him, the bush that scratched the rocks seemed to twist, and twigs of light bent down to cradle his head. Here, here it is, the bush whispered. Life. A nearby rock glowed white, and on the distant plains, a rock, by the way, the blue desert people, those parasaurs I mentioned, raised its head and fed into the rushes by the river. Friend, it said, offering support. Literally, a bush cradles him. A salamander says, sup, force me. A rock is like, buddy. Like, the planet was like, you will not die here. And it literally said he felt his aneurysms curing. And he gets woken up later on when Han finds him. Like, buddy, I'm about to go die, try to kill Gitzarian, and uh, hopefully Zinj. I'm going to thermal detonate myself. Good luck. And he gets carried back to Leia, who wakes him up. He's like, wake me in three hours. She's like, Luke, you just died. Like, you need yeah, to rest. Like, like, wake me three rest. hours. Wake me three hours. And, and every like, time okay, says, no. I guess. He grabs him by the arm, and he said, with command, wake me three hours. Like, he says it, like, four times. And they're like, okay. And that ties the other weird part that you talked about at the beginning, when he's literally flying the Falcon. Like, I mean, Wedge could not do what he is doing. Yeah. Like, but he also, is Han and his constant man crush is, like, or just crush, I suppose, yeah, not crush. to be uh, heterosexual, um, is literally just like, man, only Isildur could fly better than me. And then no, it must no. be him in there. And then he looks and he's like, Luke? And Luke's controlling all the gun systems, yeah. the navigation Luke, systems. <laughs> literally, she, she has hands up and himself. things are switching. Luke is just, he's like sweating going like, barely inconvenience on as he's like just doing this. All. I was going to make the joke. It's super easy. Barely an inconvenience as he is just doing all of this. Uh, literally almost taking Gethzerian's head off by shooting a blaster, which speaking of weird ways to die, the way this invincible witch who's uncontested in the battlefield defeats Luke Skywalker um, and just leaves on a vessel is flying out while they're trying to stop her because it's in a Lambda like transport. They can't. If you know the giant finned ones you see in like episode five uh, and six. Uh, so the classic Imperial yeah, the thing they fly onto Endor in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, leaves. And the only reason they die is because Zin just forces to shoot her. <laughs> it's just she flies yeah, out and goes, <laughs> just explodes. Her yeah, all the villains in this book just kind of die. Anticlimactic. Like, the only yeah, badass Because they're death. not here. We're here for the romance. Yeah, that's what the combat didn't matter. Like, the only cool deaths are when Luke decapitates one of the Night Sisters, electricity erupts from her neck and explodes. And I was like, it's kind of cool. And he, does this four, he does a saber throw and cuts one in half. Like, his fighting is pretty when neat. did Evil Dead come out? Uh, 80-something? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, 80 87 was Evil Dead 2 81. So maybe Dave watched uh the uh, horror classic Evil Dead and was like I'm going to just make my villains be Evil Dead characters. They were. And it, and it worked. Yeah, and unfortunately there was no like I didn't have a hatch somewhere that was shaking with somebody screaming underneath it, but that's what I was doing reading this book. Yeah, so I was, we were in a hatch trying to get in the house. In the hatch, like let, let me, me out. out. <laughs> let me out. But uh yeah, I mean in conclusion um I get there's so much more. I mean, we've we've touched on a lot of the book. I'd say we've covered about seventy percent of it. But the, the listeners, last thing I'm gonna mention, please. Pretty sure, pretty sure Han eats a gungan. What? I'm pretty sure Han eats a gungan. What do you mean? He he eats like there's that scene. When he's at or the you the reptilian meat that he has no idea what it is. It's, it's yeah, like and, and the ambassador did. amphibian meat. Yeah, he says. If I remember the book, it says Han realized he actually has no idea what he's eating. He said it was spiced amphibious meat that was for a meeting between Isolder and Leia for the first time, their first dinner together after Han and it's her just, get to an argument. I think he just eats gungan. I was gonna say Trandoshan, but I mean, if that's, I mean, it could be. I, oh, amphibious! You said amphibious. amphibious. Yeah, dude. Gungans are in I mean, I'm just saying this could also be Kit Fisto. It's probably like a frog, but I, I really. Oh. The idea it's a gun. I, I it exist in 94, so it would have had to have been 
could be even Nautilus. I don't know if they were actually in Canada either. So, I mean, honestly, it had to have been. I'm assuming it's some like, you know, warty toad or some weird thing. I mean, what a way to go out, though. Eaten by Han Solo at a dinner that he's not even paying attention to. He doesn't even know. Like, it wasn't even a good meal. Like, uh, Han ate Gungan and was just like, yeah, I, I was too busy, like, stowing or stewing over how, like, impotent I am. Same day, different Solo. I mean, uh, he, he looks oh. over his, uh He looked at the plate and said, kiss my Wookiee. <laughs> right. Kiss my Wookiee. You know what? I think that sums up how I feel about this book. Yeah, I would tell Dave, kiss, kiss my Wookiee. My Wookiee. <laughs> I would say, yeah, concluding thoughts. You heard it all, folks. Um, very badly uh, written characterization of people, like clearly misunderstanding of where we got in episode six. Only people I'd say are redeemable or actually interesting. Luke and he sold her. And of course, Chewie, because they didn't really do much as him. 3PO other than for comedy, which is kind of 3PO's shtick. And R2 literally four times going, radar dish and doing almost nothing else. Uh, mm-hmm. So R2 is just there because we love R2. We're like, hey! Yeah, they're like, Solder's we need like, to have all the main characters on this planet for some reason. And... Yeah, as Soldier points out, he's like, he's got a weird affinity for that droid. Like, every time they're trying, when they're actually leaving on the planet trying to find him, he's like, why not just leave it? It's an R2 unit. And he's like, don't. No one, no one puts R2 in a corner. No. Uh, so, yeah, no, I agree. I think Kiss My Wookiee really my Wookie. is the conclusion here. I would not recommend this book to anyone. To nobody. Um, you're you're better off to... just watching Six and being like, yeah, they get together afterward and not knowing anything else. If you felt compelled, read the Spark Notes in Wikipedia. That's what I did. It will save you. You'll still be just as disgusted. It'll just save you a lot of the gory details. It's pretty much like the bat. A publisher wrote it to make it sound sexier. Sure isn't. Now, actually, uh, listeners, read the I think he tried to write it to sound less sexy. That, you're right. I was going to say, like, think about that. Read the uh, back again and really think about what we've told you and reflect how different of a story we just told you. Everything we told you is accurate. Our opinions and stuff, obviously, are our own, but everything we told you, those factoids were all, they happened in this book. They so. sure did. In that, though, uh, what's going up next, Kyle? Well, uh, next up, we have probably a worse book somehow, Hard. if that's even possible, in Crystal Star. Yep. Uh, Bleep, who we've mentioned a few times here. I mentioned that we're going to read this to him, and he cringed at me and said, ooh. Like, he does yeah. not envy us. Um, I don't envy us. I guess, like, let's just wrap up with what do you have? What have you heard about this book that you're not looking forward to? That's bad. I could not tell you anything about it. I know nothing about the Crystal Star, just that Bleep hates it. Um, and so much so that uh, it wounds him to think about it. Yeah. So I, I mean, I remember, uh, all I remember, and this is another book I got from the library. And uh, I remember there's a scene where Jaina and uh, Jason, Jaken, are like riding on a dragon for some reason. And that's all I remember. Well, how about this? We'll give a teaser. I'm going to read the publisher's description for the back of the book. I'm going to give it to you all to know what to look forward to, and we'll read it again during the actual podcast in case you forget. It has 131 ratings on Amazon. Four star. That's a lie. Um, all right, so Star Wars, The Crystal Star, 1995, a year after. So this was, yeah, again, like you mentioned, fresh off the presses. Hugo Nebula Award winner, Vonda uh, McIntyre, wrote this. Oh, so someone who actually won a Hugo had a Hugo award. So we have a, we'll talk about their history as well. Same layout. Uh, Princess Leia's children have been kidnapped along with Chewbacca and R2-D2. She follows the kidnappers trail to a disabled refugee ship from which children are also missing. Here, she learns of a powerful Imperial officer with a twisted plan to restore the empire. Meanwhile, Han Solo and Luke Skywalker are cut off from Leia by the death of a nearby star, which has caused a disruption in the force. They've gone to the planet, um, Chris, Chris, I, Chris, 
Krasai. It's fine. Let's to go investigate Krasai. Uh, to investigate a report of a lost group of Jedi. Instead, they find a charismatic alien named Wadu, who's a miraculously healing. Uh, miraculously excuse, healing excuse me, Wado? Uh, W-A-R-U, Waru, uh, Waru. So Waru uh, whose miraculous healing powers have attracted a fanatic following. As Leia follows the path of her children across space, Luke and Han draw closer to the truth uh, with Waru, about Waru's sinister cult. Together, they'll face an explosive showdown that will decide the survival of the New Republic and the universe itself. Yeah, Han's this like, is, who needs kids? This is just that season one X-Files episode with the religious healer. Except Mulder and Scully are just Luke and Han. God, and then beginning. Leia's doing something else. I, I don't know. Uh, where's my children? So she's actually yeah. like hunting for her children. She's playing heavy find... rain. Yeah, Le- Leia's playing heavy rain, and then it's X-Files season one uh, for, for Han and yeah, Luke. And apparently Chewbacca and R2 were also abducted with the kids. They were, uh, they, they were watching them as they were like, well, I guess we're here now too. So uh, look forward to that, viewers and listeners. Uh, we are going to be talking about that next time. So we'll get back to you soon enough. If there's any other books, we already had the layout for last time, what we're going to be doing, but books you want to recommend or commentary on this. Um, we'll have a Facebook page going live here after this. Um, if you want to, like, we'll actually, uh, I'm trying to think, putting it in the show notes. Yeah, we'll put it in the notes here. Like if you actually look at the link for the podcast, we'll link the pod, the Facebook. Go there and start Sound it off. We want to talk to you guys. So I'd love to hear your thoughts, uh, pronunciations, and then again, recommendations you think we should read. All right. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. And remember, uh, kiss my Wookiee.